folks, this is your cat and speaking. We are currently at our cruising altitude of 35,000 feet, so let me announce to those unaware that this is not the actual film of Porco Rosso. This is a podcast episode talking about its English dub. If you'd like to watch the actual film, it is available in the U.S. via HBO Max and elsewhere in the world via Netflix, as well as DVD and Blu-ray options through your local anime licensor at trusted retailers. Now with that out of the way, I'd like to read a quick disclaimer. This episode may contain language in adult situations not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This episode also contains spoilers for the film Porco Rosso. Please be aware of this as you listen. And as always, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and may not reflect the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. With that, I'd like to welcome you aboard. Our estimated time of arrival to the end of the episode is 2 hours and 23 minutes. Please enjoy your in-flight episode, Dub Talk 229, Porco Rosso. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a brand new episode of Dub Talk, a show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about the latest and greatest in anime dubs and voiceover. Uh, Tonight is a very special episode because a couple days ago, it happened to be my birthday. Happy birthday, baby! (laughs) Happy birthday to you. Warner Brothers will sue. So stop singing this song. And you smell like one, too. They can't sue anymore. That case got thrown out in federal court. It's bull. It was it a did. bullshit. It was a. I'm sorry. It was a not good lawsuit that had no merit to it. Anyway, so for this special occasion, um, we dub talk hosts if we wish it. Typically, get a birthday episode. So I decided to break one of the things that I swore I would never do again. I'm doing a Ghibli episode. And the whole audience went like, oh, no, not a Ghibli movie. That's the worst thing they could ever talk about. We could talk about Nakaimo uh, so... again. <laughs> no. We can, we can throw you <laughs> off the plane. We can give you to the seaplane pirates, Megan. And not let uh, them keep So the if gold. that didn't tip you off, um, tonight's episode will be on... I don't know where it would stand on said list... But it is definitely one of my top five films of all time. Uh, not just like uh, that is Porco Rosso. Like top so five. So when do the no- two bears show up? Where do the two bears <laughs> that fly a plane show no, up? No, no, that that's a different TV show. <laughs> that that are, are you sure? No, no. See, they haven't uploaded the the season three episodes to uh, to Disney Plus yet, so not everyone has seen that season of, of Ducktales yet. <laughs> Noah, get the fuck out. No, no, I, I'm Noah, not. Noah, I want you out of this house. I Noah, that was okay, a Tailspin really, really, reference. Yes, and because <laughs> they, they cameo in the new season of DuckTales, but not until season three, which hasn't been uploaded to Disney Plus yet. And I'm pissed off about that because more people need to see. They, they have, like, Wuzzles references and 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 references to uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And Goofy makes a cameo in this weird, surreal season. That has nothing to do with the show we're talking about. Although, maybe in season four, they will reference all the Ghibli films. Man, that'd be fun. 
Can All right, someone get the horse the sedatives. I got to do a plot description. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got the my ho- wine right here. The horse, the horse sedative. Plot, plot. Look, don't question it. Plot away, Patrick. <laughs> plot away. Uh, so a plot summary, courtesy of the back of the G Kids Blu-ray. From the legendary Studio Ghibli, creators of Spirited Away and Academy Award-winning director Hayao Miyazaki comes a dazzling aerial adventure set in and above the scenic port towns of the Adriatic Sea. Porco Rosso is a world-weary flying ace-turned-bounty hunter whose face has been turned into that of a pig by a mysterious spell. When he infuriates a band of sky pirates with his heroics, the pirates hire Curtis, a hotshot American rival, to get rid of him. But with the help of the teenage girl Theo, an aspiring airplane designer and a sultry lounge singer named Gina, Porco takes his disguise for what may be his final high-flying showdown. Hey, hey, Roots. On, on, yes. on, that, uh, on the back of the Blu-ray there, does it say the words, get rid, in quotation marks? No. Okay, because I'm looking at the Disney release of this, and we can talk about the release history of this movie in a bit, but that description is... Almost as uh, verbatim as the one on the back of the Disney release of it, except it says the words, uh, they hire Curtis to get rid of him, which is very Because ominous. nobody has ever fucking had a horrific death in a Disney movie ever. Disney has <laughs> never, ever had mafia members attempting to kill and kidnap children who end up eventually being hit by a, tra- a New York subway train on a bridge. Nor do we see his dogs learn why you don't touch the third rail. Nothing violent has ever happened in a Disney film. Nothing oh, ever. Unless you deserve it. It took me a long, too long to realize you were ta- which movie you were talking about. Me- Megan, why did my brain also go to Oliver and Company when thinking of an example? I don't, I don't, I don't think I've know. seen that movie in full in my entire life. Power of Billy Joel, man. <laughs> I guess... Amon, I'm surprised you haven't seen the movie that literally its entire thing is, do you want to see Billy Joel play a smooth-talking dog? Well, no, I don't like Billy Joel that much. He's Billy Joel. What? I mean, Bernard, in, my Bernard, part, in my part of the internet, Billy Joel what? is extremely uncool. What? Yeah, he's not stealing... He's, he's not, not Steely Dan or anything. He's, he's very much not Steely Dan. Steely <laughs> Dan, Megan, Billy Joel have... is not going to write songs about you getting dope from your dealer and then going to have dumplings with him afterwards, so no. You're not wrong. You're not... <laughs> There's a reason there is not a Twitter account called Billy Joel Hot Takes. Could you imagine a Disney musical as written by Steely Dan? What would that be? It would have to be like oh, man. It would have to be like some crossover between you know Steely Dan and the Righteous Brothers with I don't know like with, with, Steely Dan's a Little Mermaid. <laughs> Steely Dan's the Little Mermaid. Megan, Megan, Megan. Speaking of the Little Mermaid, which a takes Disney place movie with songs written by Steely Dan would just be your dad sitting in a lounge. And the movie would never be released to streaming service. It would only be available He'd on Laserdisc. He'd put Peg into the record player, stick the needle onto the, <laughs> the, onto the vinyl, mix himself Every a dad. nice whiskey sour, and just like, yep, 
That's a good album right there. Every dad's internal trauma track Cue going to Disney World with their kid is literally the best of Steely Dan as they block out how much money they've spent at the parks. They're, they're waiting in line just zoning out thinking about the saxophone solo from Asia. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> While they're in the Japan section of Epcot. Absolutely. And all they're thinking about... and We have fun here. Can we go to the Hard Rock Cafe and think about that one time they managed to play the guitar lick from... No, um, that's at Universal. Oh. Don't, trust me, don't, don't fuck with me on my, on my theme park knowledge of Florida. I have been to most of them. Never go to Legoland. It's out in the middle of nowhere and it sucks. That's Well, there's a... There's not a, a Lego Land, but there's a Lego store at, uh, on the Disney World Resort, isn't there? I remember I went there okay. a long time ago. So, like, a tangent before we get back into this. So, one year I went to Orlando with some friends for, like, one of their birthdays, and, like, we just spent the whole weekend out there. But we got mm-hmm. free tickets to Dis- to Legoland. So, like, when you get off the highway in Orlando to go to, like, if you're driving from, like, Orlando to Tampa... When you get off the highway to go to Legoland, it's not like Legoland is, like, right off the exit. No, it's, like, another 45 minutes in the middle of nowhere. Oof. Ah. That was, yeah, I can do that. That was not where I wanted that to go. I am so sorry, honey. So, you know where I do want this to go? Where pigs fly. Yeah, and in order for pigs to fly, they require aircraft. Which require fine engineering. Much like the crew who worked on the dub of this production. Um, And interestingly enough, we are... I think this might be the first time we're talking about a dub from this particular studio. Um, Mm. Basically, Disney Sound Studio, Buena Vista Sound Services. This would be the the second time, because we did cover uh, Kiki's Delivery Service last year. Oh, that's right, we did. Yeah. Um, and also, the um, the crew for this film is particularly interesting, and I think I think Noah's going to get a kick out of this. Uh, so directing this film is Tony Bancroft, and adapting the scripts are Cindy Davis and Donald H. Hewitt. Um, I'll start with the scriptwriters first. Um, they've worked on... Projects such as Nausicaa, The Valley of the Winds, Spirited Away, Whisper of the Heart, Howl's Moving Castle, and things like The Cat Returns and Pompoco. I was going to say, Whispers of the Heart, do you mean Contra Roads? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, Olivia Newton-John, we're just covering all the 70s acts today, aren't we? Kind of a fun tangent on this. Um, apparently... There's an older dub of Porco Rosso that was exclusively yep. available for Japan Airlines. Yep. Which was dubbed by a bunch of expats in sort of that Akira style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... It, it, didn't, didn't Japanese Airlines co-produce this movie? Um, now, the last part of this. Um, this is going to be really interesting, particularly for Noah. This is where um, we ask Noah Clue this is where we ask Noah to sit down and hope that he has his pants on. Uh, hey, when when you talk about the co-director of Mulan, there are no pants up again here. Oh, come on! <laughs> I was going to get to that. No way, I'm stealing this one. Nope, sorry. Happy birthday. Now, let me talk about Tony Brancroft for a bit. Shut up, Noah! I wasn't Let my boyfriend gonna... talk, or I'm going to go up there with a bat. You can't get here. We're behind a wall of white right now. Listen here. 
You know who else is behind a wall of white a lot? Coke addicts. I can snort my way to you. I am a big girl. <laughs> I am the Alaskan bullworm of weebs. It's I'm a- big. I'm hairy. I'm pink. <laughs> Roots, I'm so glad you're here. Because I don't think anyone would believe that Megan says the things she says if you weren't here with us. <laughs> We'd go to you later like, Roots, you'll never believe what your girlfriend said. And you're like, you're right. I don't believe you. No, I'd believe you. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Go ahead and tell us um, about the ADR director. Okay. So Tony Bancroft doesn't actually have a traditional director's resume. An ADR director's um, resume. Right. Um, like Noah had mentioned, he co-directed Mulan. Uh, but he he also got his start in the animation department for Disney, working on characters like Cogsworth and Beauty and the Beast, Iago and Aladdin, Pumbaa and the Lion King, and Kronk. Kronk! <laughs> um, he also directed a movie recently, um, the kind of, the bizarre financial situation that you could do an entire podcast on all on its own um, Animal Crackers that Netflix ended up streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to, now that I've basically introduced our, our our staff for the dub, I'll go ahead and pass it off to our crew uh, to get our, to get their opinions on it. Um, So who would like to go first? I guess I will. Um, so this is the man that we have to thank for putting Jerry Orbach as a talking clock. <laughs> and thank God for that. It's just like, Megan, why do you know so many weird, intricate little things about the cast of Law & Order? Well, you see, I was raised by New Yorkers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do New Yorkers actually talk to uh you know forensic investigators while still like carrying boxes and talking in the way from that one uh comedy yes sketch. and then they and then and depending on where they are they'd also tell them up yours and then leave um yeah there's a deficit of that in law and order but anyways you were saying yeah law and order isn't all truthful um no so i was actually pretty impressed with the dub it sounded very 1992 or probably like late early 90s uh, this was uh, it was actually in 2004. 2005. Oh, it was released in what? 2000. Yeah, this was released in the mid 2000s. Well, the dub didn't seem like that. Um, <laughs> seemed a lot older. Well, the original Ouch. movie did come out in 1992. 92. So yeah, I was gonna but, say the dub sounded a lot older, but I guess yeah, that kind of works because there is a possibility that they time traveled back to the night. They brought the cast to the 90s so that the recording process I, would be more authentic. You know what? Shut up. Um... <laughs> No, I thought it. I thought it was a fairly. It was a fairly uh, entertaining dub. I thought it was. There were some characters who I think were a little flat. Um, maybe just due to inexperience doing ADR. Because um, I don't think a lot of the there's very a lot of the people in this are either prelay actors or stage or television actors. Not necessarily they're like a hundred percent doing voiceover. Mm. Um, in terms of the Ghibli movies, because the Ghibli movie dubs can be very hit or miss. In my opinion, really, um, yeah. Granted, I've only really seen like sp- 
spirited away. The cat returns. Arietti Arietti's dub was like just kind of okay. Um, so no, I I really like this. I think that Disney did a good job. Uh, thankfully, this is after that time Hayao Miyazaki sent a sword to somebody and said no cuts. <laughs> um, get fucked, Weinstein. No, I I genuinely really liked it. I thought. I thought especially my there's there's like one performance in there like we were giving root shit about not knowing who that that actor was that person and then when I heard that performance I was like yeah no I understand what you mean now um now I understand what you mean but I thought the mixing was pretty good I just I liked it a lot I, genuinely I liked the movie a lot overall too I thought it was a lot of fun so yeah that's that's what I thought nice awesome now I got to ask the question did the pig puns drive you nuts? No. No, because I am of a thing. It's a. Oh, God. What's. Hold on. Um. Uh. Typity type, 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 typity type. Yeah, uh, no. I fall under the. I fall under the, uh. Hana from Fire. Uh. Hana from Fire Emblem, uh. Fates. People who say no pun intended are in cowards. Intend your puns, weakling. <laughs> <laughs> word well spoken because as far as i understand i don't think that those were in the original japanese and so i was i was wondering if uh, it had turned anybody off but it doesn't really clash with the rest of the tone so when uh gina says things like you're so pig-headed or uh piccolo says like don't be such a pig it made me think for a minute hmm, maybe no it can... worked yeah it works and it yeah that's the only really note where you think about the script writing, because the script writing is honestly really uh, pretty good in this. There's the, Okay, this is a very adult movie. Porco Rosso is arguably, uh, I was going to say it was maybe the most mature, but I, I honestly think The Wind Rises would be the more mature. But that doesn't uh, hide the fact that the script writing still fits in lots of quips. The lighthearted joking. I love the old ladies who come in and say, We need to get some poker money. And I love all the little pickledellos that they add to all the uh, characters, like the the pirates as well. So yeah, props to the writing really well. Um, it's kind of a shame that um, like we don't see uh, this crew of Cindy and Donald doing very much else. I'm looking at yeah their IMDb, IMDb page, and I don't see... Any other credits for things they wanted to do? It's a shame because they they were really good at this. As good was Tony Brancroft, who directed the team pretty well. There's only one thing that bugged me a little bit, and you guys can tell me if this bugged you too. Ghibli movies are a little hard to do to do lip match flaps for because there's a lot more mouth movements than in standard anime. So there's times where it, it felt like they didn't even try to match up the lip flaps. Uh, they said, look, we can have lip flaps matching with stilted acting, or we can have genuine sounding acting, like very natural speaking, but doesn't quite match the lip flaps very well. And they went with option number two. And that bugged me a little bit in just trying to watch and listen at the same time, but I think I'd prefer that to the other option. So did that guy, did you guys notice that at all? No. No. I noticed it, but it didn't bug me. Gotcha. That, that's very much the kind of thing where, like, I will often notice if I am looking for it, but usually if I'm just watching the movie, I'm not paying that close. I'm not paying that kind of attention to it. Gotcha. I, I think I, I had the same experience, too. It just, like, stopped being an issue after a while. And it's just good, because these are, like, really good actors. I'd hate to have held them back in terms of, like, their actual skills. 
So then we'll get to that when we get to the actual cast. But yeah, um, for like you said, Roots, for Tony not having a traditional ADR uh, director experience in his resume, um, he leaned into this pretty well. And I, I think it helps that he had uh, pretty high respect for uh, Ghibli's pedigree that he wanted to do right by their material. He, he did not want to make any cuts. And I'm glad they didn't because this movie doesn't need any cuts. In fact, it needs to be longer. In fact, it needs a sequel. In fact, it needs a TV show. It needs just more everything. Calm down, Noah. Goro will get a hold of it. Be Don't nice. be mean. He's made much it better movies. It almost got a sequel, by the seat. way, but that's another story for another day. It I is. know I shouldn't be mean to Goro because his dad's already mean enough to him. I mean, don't, I mean, okay, I didn't like um, uh, Tales of Ursi, but I really liked From Up on Poppy Hill, so I, I don't think he's a bad, as bad as his reputation leads you to believe. At least not anymore. Then again, I haven't seen um, The Witch in the Earwig, so we'll see how that goes. Alright, Amon? Um... um... Let's see. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Uh, Porco Rosso is kind of perpetually fighting with Princess Mononoke for my favorite Ghibli movie, uh, which I'm sure is really surprising if you've listened to me talk at length about anything I like. <laughs> I'm sure you're incredibly shocked to learn that I like this movie. Um, uh, I enjoy this a lot. Like, I think I think this is like a really well put together dub. For the most part, I think like I, I I like the writing. I think it is punchy in like a very appropriate way. I think the leads are cast really well. Um, and I, I, I agree with no. I think you can kind of tell that the the writers and director. I, I think well, fun fact actually. Did any of you watch, if you if you own the Blu-ray? Did any of you watch any of the trailers for the movie that are on the discotheque release? I watched the one on the Disney release, and it's it's the original Japanese trailers. Right, so I was wa- I was just watching this for a kick, and the the like main full length trailer it got has this bit in the middle of it when it's talking about the film, uh, an animated film for adults filled with life's sorrow and bitterness, men yep. who don't <laughs> like wars but love war games, workaholic middle aged men, and women who love such men, <laughs> and I think they got that sense of like yeah this this is this is. I don't know if, like, I don't, I have not bothered to try and show my dad a lot of anime. He's in, like, his 60s at this point. But I feel like if there was mm-hmm. one I would sit him down for, like, hey, you might enjoy this, it would be this one. This is absolutely a movie that plays on T- TBS on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually, I, I I have no idea if they saw that trailer, but I feel like they kind of caught on to the fact that it's like, yeah, this is like, uh, this is like the, this is the Ghibli equivalent of, like, those sort of, mid-budget movies aimed at adults so they don't really make anymore. Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, even down to the fact that a lot of it's just kind of, you know, not super high-paced and it's just kind of, you know, sad and melancholic about life and what has gone on. Uh, and I, I, I think they actually, I think they retain that pretty well in the adaptation. Like, I, 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 you know, I've seen this movie before, but I had a lot of fun revisiting it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, of course, the question I'm, um, I'm sorry, Amon's question is: You go back and forth with between this movie and Princess Mononoke as your favorite. Uh-huh. Uh, do you have the same feelings about the dubs themselves? I haven't seen the dub for Princess Mononoke in a long time, and I'm going to note that, like, as much as this probably makes me horribly basic, like, I still really like Neil Gaiman, and he wrote the fucking dub script for Princess Mononoke, like. 
I mean, look, 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 my, my mother, my sweet poor mother, who clearly just saw a good review for this in the paper, took me to go see that movie when it was originally running in theaters at the West Newton Cinema, and ten-year-old me got to watch a man get his arm shot off by an arrow. <laughs> Anyways, I share, I share that story to suggest that Princess Mononoke left a very deep impression on me as a somewhat young child. <laughs> It was all like that time that I was watching the Sci-Fi Channel and Wizards was showing, and I was like, "Should I?" Be oh no! This? No! Should, no! There's swearing in this cartoon. Can, am I allowed to watch this? There's there's titties and swearing and smoking and drinking and this is this is for children, right? It's Sci-Fi Channel. I wouldn't have had the titties. No, but no, no. Uh, no oh, but it, the it, uh, the lead guy definitely called someone a son of a bitch before he shot him, which was. I think one of my other, I think one of the other times I saw an R-rated movie before I, I was kind of old enough to appreciate it was, uh, oh wait, no, that was PG-13, not R. See, I was like, they took my, my friends took my 11-year-old butt to go see, uh, Reign of Fire, which is still one of my favorite fucking movies. Oh dear. Rooted. I snuck into the Matrix. <laughs> I was like 11. Ooh. <laughs> There's something about the line, I snuck into the Matrix, that has horrible connotations to it. Just. <sighs> Roots, did you have opinions oh, yeah. you wanted to I get to? I hacked your man my way into it. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, uh, so about this movie, what did you think, Roots? Yeah, honestly, the script writing here is really good. The... The entire world of Porco Rosso, the the islands off the Adriatic Sea, um, all of it felt really... I wouldn't say the scripts were particularly punchy, but everything felt alive. Um, from the random Walla guys yelling down with the regime to... <laughs> Flying the not uh, Some random flags. weapons dealer. To some random weapons dealer telling his son, oh yeah, if you make money from war, you're scum. But if you can't make money from bounty hunting, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, every little thing just felt like this was, this felt real. And this is a film about a pig who flies a plane. Um, I, I absolutely love this stub to death. Um, yeah. The the casting's actually really solid as well. Um like Noah was was mentioning, I did happen to notice these sort of awkward lip flaps that you know, it it's sort of a thing with Ghibli movies where the actors are really expressing and the animation follows the Japanese side pretty much one to one. So mm -hmm. when you turn around to dub it it kind of gets a little awkward, but honestly, it didn't detract any sort of major amount from my enjoyment of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, overall, uh, the technical side of this is really good. Also, for a dub produced in 2004-2005 for a 1992 film, um, a lot of problems that stem from when you turn around and dub something like a decade later it kind of shows its age uh this is particularly a problem with like the pioneer dub of akira mm. um where the sort of background music and sound effects and all that 
Um, they feel really analog when the English dialogue is being recorded on, like, digital sources. Mm. And you can tell. Um, maybe it's just a consequence of being recorded in sort of... In... I, I don't want to say, like, older, but... Um, a sound studio that sort of... Oh, I don't know how to word this. Um, it just sounded like it blended really well. I, I, I totally buy that Disney have, like, a bunch of sound studios that still have, like, eight tracks in them. Just for this kind of purpose. <laughs> There's a funny story like, about... Sound, it, sounds too cl- it sounds too clean, it's gonna be distracting. Break out the old studio. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's an old story uh, that Crispin Freeman likes to tell, uh, where... He, the one time that he got to dub uh, on Disney lot was for his, <laughs> his brief cameo appearance in uh, Howl's Moving Castle, and which is funny because it's, you know, it's a, that's a dub full of people who aren't really voice actors, and then you get to the very end and it's like, professional voice actor voice, and you're like, ah, oh, finally. But the, 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 <laughs> the story he likes to tell is that, you know, he's used to working in very small uh, studios for, you know, things like Central Park Media and other animes worked at but then when he finally gets called into disney to do these few lines they were recording it on this huge sound stage and they had a giant projector on the back screen that was showing the adr beeps and he was, was kind of like the hell this is so fancy so yeah i, I totally buy that the disney what's ha- going on here oh yeah oh oh and that and he he apparently he knocked those all of his lines out in like 10 minutes they, they had booked him for a longer period of time because they're used to people who don't know how to do the thing they're doing so they looked at him after he's done and they're like you've done this before haven't you it's like yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let me show let him? me show slater how, not slater he wasn't in that movie uh let me go show bail how the real boys do it <laughs> did you did you legitimately make a christian slater reference listen if ghost stories can do it so can i why does it always come back to ghost stories every time? Every, every don't you know that the only Noah? Don't you know that the ghost stories dub is the pinnacle of U.S. dubbing? I'm, you're not wrong. I, I'm just. I'd like to give some recognition to some other productions for once. I mean, ADV did more than just the ghost stories dub. Uh, my eyes started twitching, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> So moving on from the villain of anime dubbing to the villains of this movie, um, our first set of characters is the Mama Yudo gang. Yay. They're a bunch of sky pirates. They're also a bunch of idiots. It's great. They're the best characters in the movie. (laughs) They they are idiot sky pirates in a different way from the cast from the DuckTales reboot. They they do not do musical sequences. That I know of. (laughs) Sorry, I just re- like they're basically they're basically Team Rocket, where they're just competent <laughs> enough. No, but I, I, I when I watched this again, it was like, man, these these are just the Time Bocon people. If it was yes. like fifty of them instead of three, isn't it? <laughs> that is exactly who they are. I mean, Time yes. Bocon is based on it, uh, was an influence on Team Rocket too. But yeah, yep. let's go way back to the original show. Yeah, that was actually what I was thinking of, but I couldn't. I. Couldn't put my finger on their name. Fun fact, uh, Mama Ayuda translates to, Mm -hmm. Help, Mom! (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> now I just awesome. imagine. I now I just imagine that they all have the same singular mother. So they're like the pirates. Wait, from they Lapido. are the Beagle Boys. <laughs> <laughs> they have. Yeah. One, they're like the Italian Beagle Boys. They all spawn from one Italian lady. I'm sorry, but you were saying who, who voices these amazingly hairy sky pirates? All right, so starting off, we have the boss of the Mama Yudo gang. Uh, he's played by Brad Garrett. Yes, he is. Um, you would know Brad Garrett from such things as um, he is a lot of characters in Pixar movies. Um, in particular, I'd like to highlight one of my favorites of his, um, Dim from A Bug's Life. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's also the hook-handed boss in Tangled. <laughs> I had a dream uh, once. Team. I had you know, a dream. He, um, somebody's got to tell you that Gunter likes collecting ceramic unicorns. Yeah. Ding! He's also Trypticon and Transformers. For the five of you who who have actually watched the Transformers cartoon. Hi, Lauren. <laughs> Hi, Lauren. Um, Hi, Lauren. But also, the thing you would probably most know Brad Garrett from... Uh, mimetically is Robert in Everybody Loves Raymond. My favorite thing is how many members of the Everybody Loves Raymond cast has been in a Ghibli dub. Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, we're gonna get into that. Except I don't think Ray Romano himself has been in one. He's too busy making that Ice Age money. (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Yet. Give it time, Noah. Give it time. Oh, yeah, he will be the lead in that one movie that Miyazaki is still making. <laughs> Clearly. Cut to five years later. My god, Noah called it. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds? <laughs> right, I'm sorry, who else are the, the All right, air pirates? All right, so... There are three more air pirates that, act, that were actually credited. Um, first of all... We have um, Bill Fagerbacky. Um, you would know him as characters such as Broadway and Gargoyles. For the anime crowd, we have Steve Long in 3 by 3 Eyes. Do you know what 3 by 3 Eyes is? Yes. No? Just ask the guy with the longest beard in your anime club what 3 by 3 Eyes is. He I can was, tell you. Uh, uh, I was going to say, is it hentai? No, it's, it's just not. old. No. It's just very, very old and sort of like, it's sort of like that, uh, it's, it's like 80 shonen that gets really violent. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one, it's one of those shows that got like localized relatively early when anime became a thing in America. And so back mm-hmm. in the day, everyone had seen it because it was really easy to get your hands on. Um, but you would know Bill Fagerbacky for one particular role that he has done for probably about 12 years now. Uh, that's Patrick Starr from Stump, from uh, blah, 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 blah. from the Fairly Odd Parents. That's Patrick Starr from SpongeBob SquarePants. Little oh. little Lee. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about his role on Coach. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk about his role. <laughs> he was on, also or, in Coach, or or his role in the Stand miniseries from the mid nineties, where he is oh. basically doing oh. his Patrick Starr voice. All right. Um, next up, we have Kevin Michael Richardson. Uh, Pretty prolific voice actor right now. Uh, you know him from right such now? things as uh, Captain Gantu in Lilo and Stitch. 
he was actually the voice of Goro in the live-action Mortal Kombat movie, the first one. <laughs> like, the weird, ugly-ass CGI Goro. Mm-hmm. Oh, bless his cotton socks. <laughs> uh, he was Panthro in the 2011 Thundercats reboot. Mm-hmm. And he was also Takemoto in um, Afro Samurai Resurrection. Uh, I think it was the blacksmith guy. Uh, and last but not least is Frank Welker. Who has also been around for a very, 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 very long time. So, um, Frank Welker may well be one of the most prolific voice actors currently living. Yep. I mean, pretty much on a par with Mel Blanc. I could go for the entire length of a podcast episode listing off stuff he has done. It is largely animal noises, which is awesome. Uh, But in particular, he has played Fred, Fred Jones, in the Scooby-Doo franchise pretty much since the beginning. Since Scooby-Doo, where are you? Oh, yeah. Um, and also, he took over the role of Scooby-Doo himself and I think, like, the late 80s, I want to say. Uh, it was kind of back and forth between him and Don Messick. Um, he probably most prolifically, uh, at least to most of the people listening to this, started voicing him during the incarnation of what's new Scooby-Doo. Particularly because I'm trying to name anime roles mm. from these particular actors, um... He was also Totoro in My Neighbor Totoro. That's who he was. Totoro. So I think I'm going to start with Megan again. Okay. Just keep the order the same. What did you think of the Mama Ayudo gang? They are the fucking best. They are. They are. They're. They're a lot of fun, and I kind of wish they were in the movie a little bit more because they are the perfect comic relief. Uh, unfortunately, I I really couldn't tell uh, Bill, Frank, and Kevin apart, but they sounded great, and they all sounded big, dumb, and believable, and kind of dopey, and it was great, but Brad kind of stole the show between the three of them, <laughs> because he was big and bombastic and over, like kind of over the top in like, the really big, dumb, goofy villain kind of way, but like he's actually a good guy deep down. Um, I love the banter between them is fucking great. Like, hey boss, do we have all, to take like, all fifteen? Yes, you can't separate them. <laughs> <laughs> you can't I can't separate lo- them from their friends. friends. I love that entire sequence where they're like, "Hey, cool, you're kidnapping us." <laughs> um, uh, the kids, kids these days. And I just love that the kids end up like start keep your clothes on. They're like, no. Nope! And they're just jumping out into the water and just like, bye, bitches! I, it's like the okay. John Mulaney joke about kids being absolutely savage. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine imagine the platelets it sells at work, but they're replaced with the little girls that the pirates get down. Oh, no. oh that, that body would be so fucked. <laughs> I mean, have you seen Cells at Work, Black? I haven't started it yet, no. <laughs> We're triggering that erection. Um... <laughs> okay but yeah no brad was a ton of fun i loved him a lot i loved when he was kind of really like chilling with uh fio towards the end of the movie <laughs> and oh my god the scene where fio yells at them all mm-hmm. for uh threatening for to rip uh, up tra- the plane plane 
Oh, that shit was great. I love them. They're so much fun. Especially Brad, because Brad Garrett is in, I think, another one of the Ghibli movies I like. I think he's also in The Cat Returns. I don't think I don't... he is. I mean, he made No, that's a... the one with Peter... No, that's the one with Peter Boyle. Yeah, um... yeah, he had a... Uh, oh, no, it's somebody else in this cast is in uh, The Cat Returns. That is true. There is at least... There are two other characters here who are in quite a few Ghibli dubs. Yes. But no, I liked them a lot. I think they were a ton of fun to listen to. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Megan that uh, although um, Bill, Frank, and Kevin uh, do have distinct voices from each other, especially in their more archetypal voices, like you know, Bill's got the the um, the Patrick voice, Frank's got the well, he's got a lot of voices, um, and then Kevin's got the the you know the smooth, cool black guy voice. Like I love how he used that in uh, Joker in the Batman. Uh, but they're not really distinguishable enough here. And I think that was by uh, design. They were supposed to be an uh, ensemble cast that sounded kind of similar to each other. They had the same gruffer, uh, working class kind of persona that is supposed to be these kind of characters. Because, you know, they're so broke that they they can't even match their tail metal to the rest of the plane when it breaks. Because, because they, they were too afford. stupid. They were too stupid enough. They weren't smart enough to keep the right amount. Have you ever seen one of those cars where it's like they lost the door and they had to get another one to replace it, but they couldn't find one the same color, so it, you know, it's clearly a different car car uh, car door attached to this one. No, That's someone who lives on my street has that car. They couldn't even afford paint for the tail of the plane. Yeah. And it's like, I was going to say, it's like, when they, it's like when the hubcaps fall off and they don't feel like going to get new ones. <laughs> But y- did you mean my? Did you mean Megan's mom? Yes, that's that's, that's what I wrote in my notes right here. I wrote just like Megan's mom. Um, to to bring this back to the point though, um, yeah, th- this is where the movie gets to have all of the fun, and it's uh, one thing that uh, in retrospect I'm really glad they didn't do was they didn't over goof up the the pirates themselves. They made them just goofy enough to fit in with their animation because they've got really exaggerated facial animation and it fits in with the world that uh, Porco lives in. You know, it's a very grounded 1920s world, but it's flavored with all of that enthusiasm for adventure and piracy and fascism that really makes people remember this movie. So yeah, these three definitely get props for uh, fi- rounding out those uh those back essentially background characters rounded out of course by brad himself who as he admitted on the uh behind the scenes material for this uh blu-ray uh he he always plays either a thug or an oaf of some kind and he's doing it again here and yes it sounds exactly like classic flavor brad garrett which is just amazing like i if we had to put Lobo from Justice League into this movie, he would absolutely be the same character. So I'm. I have oh my no god! I forgot to... he was Lobo. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> that was a cut of deep, a uh, deepness. But yeah, th- this is a uh, th- these these pirates are a lot of fun to listen to, or a lot of fun, and it's really a testament to uh, Miyazaki's uh, kind of balancing act he had because. Uh, you know, he he was very anti-war. You know, he didn't like war. He didn't like fascism. He didn't like countries building up large amounts of ammunition for fighting. But he loved drawing army planes and tanks. So he kind of had to find a balance well, between them. Well, the thing, the reason why he hates it so much is that his father was an aircraft engineer for Japan during World War II. And he grew up during it. Mm-hmm. And he... I, I did an entire research paper in Hayao Miyazaki's early life when I was, like, in high school. Because uh-huh. 
Yeah, we had to do a paper. Was you had to write a research paper on a famous person, but you couldn't do it for why they were famous. Mm-hmm. So I did a lot. I did his early life. And that's where I found out, like, oh, yeah, his dad was an aircraft engineer. He always had, like, a, a big love of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when I also found out that his mom had actually uh, spinal tuberculosis. Ooh. I did not know Ooh. that. Yeah, and she was in the hospital for a lot of his young life, and he would go visit her. That's why I think a lot of parents are missing in this movie. Theory, but not confirmed. But yeah, his dad was an aircraft engineer. I mean, this was based on th- this wasn't based on someone else's source material. This was, as Amon said, this is based on a short manga that he did. So it's not but, like he yeah. intentionally cut them out of the source material. Well, again and again, I will note to speak to your point again. This is a ma- this is a manga that ran in a magazine for like model airplanes and tanks. Yep. What was it called? It was called um, it's like, it's like, was like called? Model, model graphics. Model, uh, yeah, model graphics. There you go. Yep. Which is very interesting. Like, like imagining opening up, uh, you know, Electronics Illustrated, and it's like in between. Here's how to thread a wire, and here's how to rip copper out of your wall that you're renting. There's also, oh, and also here's a a guest story written by Neil Gaiman or someone else famous. <laughs> no, it'd probably be the uh, who does science. I don't know. Maybe the guy who does those uh, cartoon histories to whatever stories. Anyways. Um, this is my turn. Yeah, go ahead. All right, sure. Uh, yeah, these guys are hilarious. Uh, the Mama Yoda—they're just—they're—they're they're just delightful. Uh, they're the exact right level of cartoon. I, I feel like there's an important tone setting in that first scene where it's like they're, they're sky pirates, and yes, they have—they have technically taken a a small a large group of small children hostage, uh, but their main attitude is like. This isn't a playground. We don't want you to get hurt. That's <laughs> not the point here. We just want to get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I I I am not terribly surprised that this ended up being where they hired a lot of like more traditional like you know cartoon voice actors to fill out these roles. This feels like the correct uh, not the correct place, but like this feels like a place where it's like oh we can hire like A and B and C and they can just play these characters and excel at them and give us what we want, like, without too much trouble. They just uh, stick their head out of the recording studio and it's like, hey, Bill, you got a minute? Can, can, I know you're recording Lloyd in space, but can you come in here for a second? We need a background voice. I mean... It's not like you're wrong, per se. <laughs> um... And I, I, you know, I, I, everyone, everyone's like very good. I think I, I agree. Like, I, I, whenever I was watching it, it was always very like, all right, I definitely recognize these actors, but not well enough to say who's who, except for Bill Fagerbacky, because at one point it was like, I wonder where he's in here, and it's like, yeah, that was close enough to Patrick Starr. That was definitely Bill. Okay, found you at least. Uh, but I, I do think Brad's just the standout, just because he, he's good at playing big doofy villains. He's even in that dumb Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie where he plays Krang, and he's great. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, they're they're just a real treat. That was just it's they're fun when they're on screen. Uh, I know Ghibli doesn't do spinoffs by and large. You know, Cat Returns not uh, you know as an maybe as an exception, but like if they wanted to make yeah. something starring the Mama Yoda gang, it's like I'd watch that. They're great. <laughs> well, again, just watch the Time Bokan uh, spinoffs. There's like ten of them. <laughs> Can we get one more? Brad Carrot plays the sexy lady. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare for trouble. <laughs> All right, I guess that's uh, Rick's yeah, turn now. Sorry. Yes, 
Alright, um... So yeah, honestly... Kevin, Frank, and Bill are sort of interchangeable in this little segment of review. Uh, they were all great. They ha- they all had this little... You know, they kidnapped the kids, but they're taking care of them. Because, you know, they-, they don't want them to get hurt. You know, they're valuable hostages. But why did we have to take all 15? It's... Like, the banter between them is just great. Uh, in that sequence, and then later when they're sort of raiding Porco's stronghold, and it's like it's it's great. Uh, but obviously, the standout is um, is Brad Garrett as the boss of the gang. Um, he is big. He is bombastic. He's basically he's basically being the Bluto to. Um, to Porco's Popeye. You didn't happen to steal it's that from the behind the microphone feature, did you? I didn't even hear the name Bluto mentioned. Oh no, he, he did. He, he flat out said that he he's like a Bluto character. Oh well, then I wasn't paying enough attention to it. Then obviously, that that's commendable. Then I mean the the design basically lends itself to Bluto. So oh yeah. The shot's there. I had to take it. (laughs) But he's just absolutely wonderful, boisterous. He plays off of everybody he acts against really, really well. Uh, Particularly Theo's voice actress and um, and Porco himself. Like, it's just great. And it's... Ah... Like, everything about the Mama Ayudo gang is everything, is that comic relief that the movie absolutely needed to sort of balance out the more dour notes that show up later in the film. Mm-hmm. So, next up, we have a couple more incidental players in the, uh, in the saga of Porco Rosso. Uh, we have Ferrari, a... A member of the Italian Air Force who was a former friend of Porco's back when they were... Back when Porco served in the military and uh, was actually human. Uh, He shows up when Porco shows up in Italy. Basically to give him the heads up that the Italian secret police is after him. And then also helps him leave Italy when his plane is finally ready to depart. Uh, We have Grandpa Piccolo... He runs an aeronautic shop that Porco visits to get his plane repaired after it's shot down. Um, he's just this gentle old man, and it's great. Like, he just has this warm personality. Always laughing. Always joking. And then we also have Donald Curtis, the meathead. <laughs> Uh, he's an ace pilot who's trying to be an actor who's trying to be the president. And he's just a big, lovable doof, even though he's basically the main bad guy of the movie. He's an air pilot who wants if to If there's be the anybody president. you... And this came out years before Independence Day even existed. Oh. By like 40 years. 
I mean, I guess you could say he's the closest thing to a main antagonist of the film. He's technically not a villain. There's really not the vi- a bad a guy. villain per se in the, the film. The villain is fascism. Yes. <laughs> There we because, go. Because, because poor, 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 poor Porco couldn't go home if he wanted to. Because fascism. No, no, the, no. You know the real villain in this movie? There we go. Well, fascism is a villain, but the secondary villain is inflation. Because that money isn't even worth the paper it's printed on anymore. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Don't let inflation happen to your country, people. Uh, so, in any case, um, Ferrari is played by Tom Kenny. Grandpa Piccolo by David Ogden Steers. And Donald Curtis by Carrie Elwes. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) What? Why is everybody laughing? Because Noah Noah gave a very unenthusiastic to Carrie Elwes, and I found that very funny. No, what do you have against Carrie Elwes? He's very charming. He's just. He hasn't gone on to be a very good actor, in my opinion. I like him when he does. Oh, we're gonna have words, play. buddy. Uh, oh man, there's some fight, fight, fight. What was the last thing you saw him in? Just, what was the last thing? The All right, look, it's thing. not his. Look, it's Psych. look, it's not his fault that the Saw movies ended up getting sequels. Okay, <laughs> you can't blame him for that. <laughs> no, he's no. trying his best. All right. So anyway, um, you would know Tom Kenny from stuff like. Simon Petrikov, a.k.a. the Ice King in Adventure Time. Uh, going back around to our sort of anime thing, uh, he was Sawada in Tech on Kingcrete, which, if you ever get the opportunity to watch Tech on Kingcrete, watch Tech on Kingcrete. Mm-hmm. It's a very hard title to say, but it is a very good film that is absolutely worth your time. It's been on my shelf for a really long time. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Hmm. Uh, he was also Benjamin Bright in the Immortal Grand Prix. Uh, but you would know him as kind of a certain other thing from an independent cartoon series, sort of obscure, from a not really well-known network. Um, Is that network known? SpongeBob SquarePants? In- oh yeah, the thing they cucked us with at the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> So David Ogden Steers. Um, oh yeah, who also unfortunately passed away. You would away know him, right? Bladder cancer. <laughs> um, he was Mister Malliard in Regular Show. Uh, he played Cogsworth in uh, the Disney Beauty and the Beast. Uh, he was also Kamaji, the the Boiler Master, in Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were anywhere near a public access channel or had access to, like, TV Land or, you know, I think it was on, like, Hallmark Channel at one time, uh, you would probably know him as Major Charles Winchester in M.A.S.H. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, I, I, I feel really bad and you're, like, all getting excited and I'm just like, who the fuck is this? He he, oh, he is okay. a he is oh, a perennial right. TV character actor. He's the very much the guy where like you might not know his name, but once you see a photo of him, you're like, oh, okay. Well, I've okay. seen him. Okay, Me- no. Megan, Megan, no. here's here's something you will absolutely remember him from. You've seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Yes. He plays the Archbishop, who you know is like the good 
You know the guy who only shows up at like once in the beginning of the movie? You said he said it was Dr. Jumbo from Lilo and Stitch. I would have known that. Okay, well, I didn't know if you see that oh, too. Geez. But yes, he is that. He, he is in that. And he... I should have put that down. Sorry. <laughs> okay, there you go. Which and he's also like Governor Radcliffe in like Pocahontas. Like, that's the shit I know. There's so much voice acting he's, stuff he's, he's done. In every th- yeah, he's in every Disney thing. And to to bring this around to all the Ghibli stuff, not only was he the Boiler Man in Spirited Away, he's also the narrator in My Neighbors the Yamadas. So so has so tell me, Roots, has Carrie Elway been in anything we've heard of before? Um, other than Dr. Lawrence Gordon in Saw, as was already mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> was, that um, one, was that one you had picked out already? <laughs> I actually had it picked out in oh, my notes. No. What? Damn it! <laughs> well, well um, I don't think there's any. He was also the Baron in Whisper of the Heart. Yep. Um, and kind of some other things that you would probably know him from. Um, he was sort of Robin Hood in the Mel Brooks uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, but he was also Wesley in The Princess Bride. Yeah, he, he was? Inconceivable! Yes. Yeah. By yeah. the way, I have a really funny story about Robin and Men in Tights. Do oh. tell. So, back in college, my roommates, uh, back when my ex broke up with me one weekend, like, my roommate and our other friend on campus, Tiffany, my roommate said my other friend on campus, Tiffany, we had a movie marathon to make me feel better. And the first movie we watched of the day was, uh... The Russell Crowe, uh, Hugh Jackman, like Miss. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. It was only uphill from there. <laughs> um, it would have to be, wouldn't it? Then we watched Pitch Perfect, but we ended with uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights because I had never seen it. So we're watching it, and you know the part where he sends the message off in the 20th Century Fox? And it, like, runs away making dolphin noises? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. My friend yeah. Tiffany, it, it's at like two in the morning. My RA, my resident, my RA in my dorm is pissed at us because she's like on the room right next door. And if you've ever met me, I don't have a really like soft voice. So Tiff, like we're laughing at the movie really loud, and that scene goes off, and my friend Tiffany goes, "Haha, it's making seal noises," and we just kind of look at her like. <laughs> It's like it's like Patrick. It was like a Patrick Star moment, and we just kind of look at her like, "What?" Like, oh, okay, Tiff. Let's just okay. Have we have we introduced all the actors and characters? Am I am I good? To yeah, go? you're all set to go. Okay, cool. I'll start with Ferrari because I didn't know that was Tom Kenny at all. Um, I actually thought he was really flat. Um, I just felt like, oh, this is just just random one guy, and I don't like his performance very much. He's like my least favorite performance in the movie. I don't have a lot to say for him. Grandpa Piccolo is a fun little old, like, rat man. <laughs> um, he looks like he crawled out of an Italian sewer. I know, Shinya. I'm trying to get Mom to let you out because I can't get up. Baby girl, come here and let me pet you. Um, I liked his performance a lot. It was like that, like, level of crazy, kooky, old Italian man without sounding like Mamma mia, where's my pierogi? Pierogies aren't even Italian. Mamma mia, where's my stromboli? Well, well, you know, his mustache isn't really, you know, bushy enough for that. Like, he, thankfully he did not sound like the college humor Benson her spelling bee skit, and that's my one, that was my one fear. 
Um, but I like David's performance a lot. I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought he, he had a lot of fun. Uh, if you would have told me that was Carrie Owls, I would have thought you were a liar. Because it sounds nothing like I, I know Carrie Owls sounding like. I think, it, I believe, I'm sorry, I believe it's pronounced Elways. Elways. Just... It's, it, this it's did not, not sound game. like Wesley or Robin Hood to me, and those are the two like really big things that I know him for. Mm-hmm. And I say this as somebody whose like favorite non studio like non Miyazaki Ghibli movie is the cat the cat returns, which he is also in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one that he's in with uh, Boyle as uh, the big fat cat. Yep. So whenever we get to do that that episode, which I will try to do, you will all get to hear me sing, "Putting on the Ritz." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, my mother loves that movie, um, and I have been forced to see it. I love Young Frankenstein, uh, but so forced to watch I, Young when I finished, when I got to the end of the movie, I asked, I asked, or like midway through the movie, I asked Roots, and I think it was after um, Donald kind of tries to get Gene to go to Hollywood with him, and I go. Are you sure that this guy isn't based off of Ronald Reagan? I mean, that's what springs to mind, isn't it? Yes, I'm like he's an he's a he's an old army guy who's trying to be famous. He wants to be an actor, and then he wants to be president. I'm like, this is just Ronald Reagan. Wh- without died wh- without the uh... sometime around when this was being dubbed. <laughs> but no, there's something very like Ronald Reagan esque about this character and the performance. And, like, that's really weird because I've never actually seen Ronald Reagan's acting. You're missing nothing. <laughs> exactly. Alright. Uh, and Carrie's performance oh. is really charismatic, really cheesy, and you're just like, Dude, I get why Gina told you off. There's something so fake about it. Because Curtis, Donald Curtis is such a fake character. Like... I one of my favorite scenes is that scene where he tries to propose to her with a screenplay in the garden, <laughs> and she tells him off, and just the line of, uh, and I'll talk to that when we talk about Gene's character of you fall in love too easily. Yep. And then, like, literally, he's trying to like propose to a fifteen-year-old girl. Um, That's problematic. I mean, e- even yeah. for the nineteen twenties, that wouldn't be allowed. Yeah, no. But, like, I really liked his performance. I think I think the next set of characters are probably, like, some of my favorite performances, but he did a really good job. T- to, uh, to kind of curtail that uh, unenthusiastic eh I had for Carrie Elways, I really don't have anything against him. He's got... Uh, he's interesting in that he, for some reason, he keeps getting cast to have an American accent. Uh, it took me years to realize that he was the uh, the rival to Jim Carrey in the movie Liar Liar. He, he's the other guy in that movie. And I'm like, I did not realize that because he doesn't use his British accent. And speeding! <laughs> don't don't make me fill this entire movie with Liar Liar ref- lines. We easily could do that. But to talk about Carrie Elway in this one, uh, here's the interesting thing is that I'm not used to um, uh, media that makes fun of Americans. Uh, like, so bluntly, because, you know, we're American, and we're kind of used to seeing ourselves being portrayed by us, 
And so there's not really a whole lot of media that I feel like we as Americans have consumed that's made by people observing Americans. Probably the thing that people watching this may have seen is like maybe Hitalia, where, you know, they're making fun of I'm the hero Americanism. Sorry for the PTSD for reminding you that show existed. But the reason I bring that up is because it's interesting to see uh, Ghibli's take on what's essentially, you know, a parody of an American in this. Because, and this is like what they see Americans like, or at least like the the kind of villainous Americans that would be an antagonist to Porco in this. So why, you may ask, did they cast a British guy to voice the American in this? And the answer is because it works. Because the character is kind of, <laughs> is the character is already like an over the top Americanism stereotype. I don't know if any American would be able to play that right because, you know, it would just be like, well, you're just playing an American. So you get a British guy to do an an impression of an American. And it kind of works out. And it, it helps that he's not a total bastard, aside from the proposing to every girl he sees mentality. He's like, he's good at what he does. He's not full of himself without the skills to back it up. And he has some honor to him. Like, he holds up his end of the bargain when he loses the race. Spoiler alert. So, Carrie's portrayal of him gives him a sense of realness to him. Not, not, maybe realness isn't the right word. Like, he gives him the self-absorbedness to him without being unlikable. That's the way to put it. Like, you don't hate Donald Curtis. You watch this mm -hmm. whole thing, and you don't really hate him. You're just like, aw. You just kind of feel sorry for y him. Yeah, it's like, aw, honey, kind of to him. Because he keeps getting shot down. Literally. Bless your heart. Yeah. Gold star for effort, you fucking pig. Although, there's one line that I... Uh, I kind of wish that the scriptwriters had fit in here. There's a line in The Princess Bride where... Uh, Wesley says to Humperdinck, he says, I'll use short words so that you can understand them, you warthog-faced buffoon. And I would have loved it if they had transcribed that into the script because Porco has a warthog face. It would have been perfect. But that would have been stretching the realism a little bit here. So, eh, what you gonna do? Uh, Tom Kenny's uh, Ferrari, not the one from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but uh, this movie, doesn't really get a whole lot to do. Um, but the thing that's fun to listen to this is about is I'm used to the cartoonish Tom Kenny voice, not just from SpongeBob, but from like Raymundo from Shaolin Showdown, or I think it was Starscream in uh, Transformers Animated. Just like, you know, really over the top, uh, kind of squawking sort of voice. And then you turn to this movie, and he's sitting in a movie theater talking about how, you know, uh, the only way that the Italians will let you fly is when you fly for our fleet. And it's like, wow, Tom has that normal speaking voice to him. That's very interesting. And that little novelty in itself makes it, you know, worth listening to Tom Kenny's performance in it. So, good job, Tom. I, I think that you should actually audition for more, you know, normal-sounding voices, because you're good at it. And the guy who also should be in just about everything, and he was for a while, is David Steers, who I, I just adore, because especially when he's, like, cackling or giggling he's like maniacal sounding but it's not because he's evil it's because he's like this kooky old man voice and you can just hear david having lots of fun in the in the recording booth i'm glad that he wasn't one of those uh old tv actors who kind of just faded off the map and didn't do anything into his older age he found a lot of voiceover work he, he's like so all over the place and you can tell most of the time when it's him like he has a little tiny role in the movie atlantis the lost empire as the uh the owner of the museum and you can tell it's him you can, he's got like that gruff eastern europeanish kind of voice to him and it's like this is just so charming and i just want david to be around all the time 
so yes, to mirror what Megan said, his piccolo is great, not stereotypical Italian, like from a video game, like he's not playing Mario Kart. It's just like the right kind of business savvy guy with a hot American granddaughter. <laughs> All right. Uh, where to start? Uh, Tom Kenny is Ferrari. Uh, I like I, I I enjoyed his performance. I did like his little scene together, just because occasionally Porcaroso turns into a noir movie, and then and then talking 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 business in this movie theater. Why this very nicely animated like fake twenties cartoon plays? Just I'm, I'm very I'm actually I'm, I'm kind of sad that so... only exists in this movie. That looks very nice. Um. Uh, what was I saying? I do. I, I always find it fun when I see Tom Kenny and things that aren't like cartoons. Like, um, he, for before he was like a big voice actor. He was on a show. He was on a show called Mister Show, which is what Bob Odenkirk and David Cross first got famous on. And it is always wild to see him just play sketches in that because sometimes he'll play a normal person. Oh, uh, and sometimes he'll play a screaming. Uh, if you ever want a fun time, kids, go to YouTube and punch in the altered states of drugs Massachusetts. You won't regret it. Or maybe you will. I'm not sure about it. <laughs> is that something about Tom Kenny? Uh, that is, uh, Tom, it is a, is a Bob and Show sketch that's basically a goof on H.R. Puff and stuff and other possibly made-on-drugs oh, no. uh, kid shows that the Croft Brothers put together in the 70s. And he plays a character on that. Uh, doing what is not too far from the SpongeBob voice, basically. So it's it's a, it's a trip. <clears throat> HR puff and stuff is a thing of nightmares. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But I... is it is it as terrifying as Mr. Blobby? They're about on par. I'm going to be honest with yeah. you. Like Mr. Mr. Blobby is very much deliberately in the vein of stuff like HR puff and stuff, where it's like you show this to children. Yeah. Really? Oh, okay. They did have the budget. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like I liked his little bit. If nothing else, it's. Uh, we'll get to this later, but it does. He does end up prompting the best line in the movie, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was fun. Uh, David Ogden Steers is great. Uh, he's the correct level of cartoonishly Italian. It's not too much. It's not too little. Uh, he's just he's just very charming. He has a lot of good lines. He he just delivers it very well. It's he bounces off of um, Parco's actor really well. Uh, I just find him delightful, uh, and it's always nice when David Ogden Steers is in stuff. He's a wonderful actor. Mm. Uh, and Carrie Hughes. Uh, I, when in preparation for this, I read a review where someone complained about the dub because they thought Donald Curtis was more of an Errol Flynn type, and they didn't know why they hired Carrie Hughes to not just do a British voice. <laughs> and like, look, you're not mm. wrong, but he's a lot of swashbuckling actors. He's 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 Errol Flynn. He's Tyrone Power. He's Douglas Fairbanks. But most importantly, he is in fact Ronald Reagan. If Ronald Reagan was from Texas, so. <laughs> And I do think Carrie got that part of the role really well. He is very he's he's over the top but grounded and lunkheaded in the correct way. Uh like I I thought he was just, he did a really good job with the character. And I thought he did a good job of like, you know, especially towards the end uh when, you know, Donald he's not a villain. He's just he's, he's just, just an kind American. Of, he's just stupid and power hungry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, I like also I like the bit where like the air pirates are deciding to hire him, and whoever's vouching for him is like, "Yeah, his mom's cousin's Italian." Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I just like that their big gripe is like, oh, "But he's an American; he's not Italian at all." Oh, it's even worse. I think the exact line was, "His grandma's cousin was Italian." <laughs> uh, 
yeah, just I yeah, I, I, I like I like these characters. I think Carrie, I think Carrie just did a really he had a really strong performance in here. I think he's extremely delightful. I liked him a lot. Oh, uh, one last m- minor right. note is oh yeah, the um in the original manga, uh, his name was not Donald Curtis; it was Donald Chuck. <laughs> okay, that makes even more Does sense. Donald Chuck. Don't you love it when the Japanese try to make up American names? Oh, you mean like you mean like that one baseball game? Yep, from the eighties. Yep. So Smash some roll, some roll fizzle beef quality names there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. So, like everybody else, I'm probably going to start with uh, Tom Kenny as Ferrari. Uh, not a lot to his role, and like Megan, I do agree it was a little flat. Uh, but considering how little he's actually in the movie, and I just wanted to talk about him because it's Tom Kenny in an anime dub. Um, I think it was fine for the most part, other than the scene in the movie theater. Um, when he actually gets some other speaking lines, it, it actually sounds pretty okay. Um, I don't know what was up with that with that particular scene, but yeah, uh, not a hundred percent a fan. Uh, Carrie always as Donald Curtis, the meathead. Oh my god, it, it's it's great, and you know the the Texas accent he puts on feels just fake enough. That it lends a lot to the character. That he he's basically just putting on all these airs and like like it's great. He's he's just this big dumb meathead who's good at certain things, but has ambitions to be even greater. But if only that darn pig wasn't in the way. Um, I think the standout for for Donald Curtis is the um, in the end with the boxing match, <laughs> where he's basically chewing Porco out for not choosing Dio or Gina, even though really they they have the right to choose, I guess. But that's another that's another tangent we could go into. Um, I do have something to say about that in final thoughts. Anyway. Um, just the whole thing where he's telling, you know, hey, you dumbass. Gina actually has feelings for you. Like, I thought that was great. And I... uh, It's kind of a shame Carrie Always isn't in more sort of these Ghibli-esque anime dubs because I think he did a really good job here. If uh, and the late great David Ogden Steers as Grandpa Piccolo. Like I had this huge Cheshire Cat grin on my face every time he let out one of those chuckles, because <laughs> he is like that that little gentle grandpa character, and his accent is just enough for you to know that oh yeah, he's Italian. Mm-hmm. Uh, but stuff like when he pulls out the engine to test it in the um, 
in the shed. <laughs> I don't think this is good for your shed. And he starts turning it on to full blast, and it's tearing the shed apart, and he's just laughing his ass off. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I forgot to compliment when he's trying to uh, introduce all the women that are coming to work for them. And he's just like, there's something really sleazy about it. <laughs> You're not wrong. And then it's also just like, um, you know, as Porco is interacting with Theo, his granddaughter, uh, who we'll get to in the next segment. And he's just like, yeah, hey, you like her? Don't touch her. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's the kind of grandfather who would let his granddaughter go on a possibly life-threatening flight into danger and gunfire. But God forbid the, the, the pig guy want to date her. But I think all three of the men here, I, I actually, to an extent, liked um, Tom Kenny. Unfortunately, his big scene just kind of fell a little flat. Also, one little Easter egg. Uh, so next up. Sorry. Oh. But since you mentioned that um, that scene where they were uh, trying out the engine and practically r- ripping the roof off of it, what what was the brand of that engine, Roots? It was a Ghibli brand engine. It was a Ghibli brand. Yeah, it was engine. a it was a Ghibli brand. Yeah, little, little Easter egg. Which I guess Ghibli was also a a brand of um, aircraft part manufacturer. No, it was it was, yep. well, it, was, it, was it was it was a nickname for a like specific. Uh, uh, I think I think it was actually an Italian company, but it was like a nickname for a specific uh, a plane they made. Uh, it's like a it's oh, like a gotcha. corruption for like I think it's a corruption. It's like a corruption of the Arabic word for desert wind or something like that. Right, right. That's what the original word, and then it was co opted by the Italian plane makers, and then co opted by Japanese animators. Um, next up, we have the women of Porco Rosso. Um, first off, we have Theo, a young apprentice aircraft designer who manages to wow Porco into letting her have the job of redesigning his plane. Um, And later she joins him as his onboard engineer. Joins Uh, him in quotation marks. More or less, yeah. Uh, And then we have Gina. She has known Porco since he was human. And um, she owns a a restaurant attached to a hotel on, uh, on an island in the Adriatic that sky pirates and bounty hunters alike frequent. Um, she has feelings for Porco. Porco does not realize this. He probably also has feelings for her. She do, she more or less knows this. Um. She is probably the smartest character in the movie. Uh, in fact, both Theo and Gina are extremely care. Uh, both uh, Theo and Gina are extremely capable characters, each in their own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Theo is played by Kimberly Williams Paisley, and Gina by Susan Egan. Uh, you would know Kimberly Williams Paisley as Annie Banks, aka the Bride mm-hmm. in Father Which of the Bride. Touchstone pictures. 
Uh, she was Dana in... She was Dana in According yep. to Jim. And when I pulled up her Wikipedia... Or, uh, not her Wikipedia, her IMDb page... Uh, she's been in a lot of Christmas movies. Like, a lot. Is she a that... Is she like the late... um... Has she been held captive by Lifetime? I I think so. I don't know where a lot of these ones came from. I know she was in uh, the Christmas Chronicles two, which I think yeah, is that, Netflix. That's, that's that's the one. That's the one where uh, that's one where Kurt Russell plays Daddy yep. Santa. <laughs> yeah, Daddy Santa. But she's in a lot of them, and I think they're all Lifetime or Hallmark. Uh, and Susan Egan, um, you might not know her very well from this, but she got her start with Disney through her performance in the Broadway version yep. of Beauty and the Beast's Bell. Uh, she was Lynn, the um, one of the caretakers of the bathhouse and Spirited Away. Uh, she was Rose that Quartz in was. Steven Universe. And probably the thing you would most recognize her for if you watch Disney movies is she was Megara in Hercules. All right, Megan, are you are you ready to? Yes, I'm good. I'm sorry. My friend just sent me a meme, and it was this Brazilian girl is a big fan of K-pop and all Korean father culture. So her father, without understanding much, wanted to personalize a party with the most favorite Korean character he could find, and it was King Jong Un. Oh no! Whoops. And I'm like, you tried so far, and got, you tried so hard, and got so far, and in the end, it doesn't even matter. Nope, that's uh, the wrong K. Anyway, uh, so I'll start with Sugatsen Egan's, who pretty much has like the voice of liquid sex and can do no wrong. <laughs> Listen, yep. there is no girl born in the '90s who doesn't like have all of uh, won't say I'm in love ingrained into their skull. It is so ingrained that I remember when I was in high school, we would uh, we do summer theater productions, and in the uh, dance area that we rented out for teaching, they had a bunch of CDs, and when we got bored, the mentors, which I was one of, took the Hercules CD, and we played that song, but all the mentors were girls, and I was the only guy, so they all sang the Megara part, and I sang the Muses part, and it highly amused the 10-year-old girls who were in our group. You know what? The Hercules soundtrack slaps and we don't deserve it. Just like the Tarzan soundtrack. Yep. That was the very first CD I ever owned, was the Tarzan soundtrack. Phil Collins didn't have to go that hard, but he did for us. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, good Disney soundtracks. The Lion King is like, probably number one. I'm probably gonna put Tarzan at number two. Um... That's not a contest I think you want to argue, because there's, there's a too many to argue. Listen, man, the Frozen fans can catch these fists. Um, I love Susan Egan's performance in this. It was that right level of, like, suave and sexy. Did she also sing in French? She yes, did. She did. Yes. That was her. One of the background God damn, features. that was fucking yeah. impressive. And she even has this little bit where she's like, okay, so it's a movie that takes place in Italy, but it was originally in Japanese. Now it's in English, but she's singing in French. And then she crosses her eyes at the camera. You know what? That was really impressive. And, like, heads up. But, man, that scene where she basically tells... Tells Ronald Reagan off. (laughs) 
is like one of the best scenes in the movie. Like the whole like where she talks about making the bet and just like there's that level of like pain and hurt and hope in her voice. And then just the delivery of uh you fall in love too easily to David because he, Donald because he's so thing. Also shit, I forgot one of my other favorite Donald lines, which is I'm gonna turn you into prosciutto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he's fighting Porco. And then Kimberly Williams Paisley is somebody who I don't know a lot of their acting, actually. Because I'm not my mother who watches Lifetime movies all the time. Um, I thought she did a pretty good job at Fio, and Fio is probably my favorite character in the, the whole movie. Uh, as evidenced by my Twitter icon, if you've seen my Twitter today. <laughs> um... She is great. I love that she has that, like, she sounds like a 17-year-old girl. Like, probably because she was a 17-year-old girl when she recorded this. And uh, she sounded... Uh, no. She was, like, in her late 20s. Yeah, she, Damn. She was playing a mom on a sitcom at the same time. <laughs> Damn, she sounded, like, of that age. I thought she yeah. was great. I thought she was very funny. I thought she had a lot of comedic timing against Porica's actor, even though this is ADR. Uh, just the scene where she she tells the Sky Pirates off from beating the shit out of Porco in his plane. Just the, aren't you Sky Pirates? You're, a, and it's like that level of, like, child little girl who has these, like, thoughts in her head. And all of the pirates are dumb enough to believe her. Um. They're like, yeah, she's right. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> Like, we are honorable. Just, You're right. Well, we should. It's like that John Mulaney We should bathe. We, you shouldn't tear up that plane. No, we shouldn't. Shouldn't. Just like the old Captain Flowers adage, watch your face and watch your ass. Please watch Captain Flowers stream. The say, Captain Flowers. Of the grass, shine your shoes. Shoes, wipe your, wipe your face. face. God, every kid I know in like middle school and high school knew the Duloc song. <laughs> And word for word. Anyway, I thought Kimberly was a lot of fun as as Fio, and she brought a lot of youthful enthusiasm to perform the performance, and I think it came off really great. I also like that she had kind of the dramatic chops, like the part where she's listened to Porco tripping balls. Uh, oregano is a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> that's all I gotta say for right now. Okay, so the thing about this movie is that it's uh, it's it was really the first time that Ghibli had made a movie that had no children in it. You, you see, look at all of their movies. Like, even Nausicaa, you could argue, like, Nausicaa's a teenager. It's, like, closer to a kid than adult age. This is the first time that their cast was predominantly adults, and that was by design. This was, you know, this was right after they made Kiki's Delivery Service and Only Yesterday, which were all, like, really youth-centric. I guess Only Yesterday had youthful moments, but it also had an adult lead to it. My point is, is that uh, Theo is kind of the only representation of youth in this entire movie that's full of, like, gruff, smelly old men. And I honestly, uh, before revisiting this, thought this would be the weakest performance in the entire thing, because Disney's dubs have a tendency to cast younger actors for the kid roles in Ghibli dubs who don't always excel. They don't really knock it out of the park all the time. I hate to say that about, like, 
uh, Devea Chase in Spirited Away, but I really didn't like her performance in that particular movie. Surprisingly, uh, Kimberly's performance as Theo uh, absolutely floored me, because not only uh, does she sound really natural in everything she says, but uh, she also sounds way younger than she actually was when she recorded it. I also did not believe at first that she was in her 30s when she recorded this, but she's just got that natural, youthful enthusiasm uh, in both, like, the pitch and how she speaks that it was really fun to listen to. And I, I like that it enhances her, the surprise that you have that a young uh, girl would also be an amazing mechanic. But she absolutely does. She, you know, builds the shit out of that plane and it flies amazing. So, yeah, Kimberly's really was my uh, standout surprise of this. I, I wouldn't so go, go far as to call it a Black Magic Award. I guess I'd just call it a, damn, that was really good. You deserve better than to be married to, uh, you know, a uh, sitcom dad. Not that there's anything wrong with Jim Belushi. I just think you deserve more than just being on a sitcom. You deserve more Christmas movies. Uh, now, Susan Egan is uh, liquid sex. Yes, the voice of sex. That is a good way to put it, Megan, because that is absolutely what she has. But the surprising thing here is that most people know her as the voice of Megara, who is, you know, very snarky, very dry-witted, very, uh, you know, got that you know, lucid voice to her. But she doesn't really have that in this movie. We get to see the refined, vulnerable, and sweet voice character that uh, Gina really is. And, you know, Gina plays into a trope that Miyazaki seems to really like. And you'll know this if you've seen any of his, like, television work he did. Especially uh, Sherlock Hound. He had uh, the... uh, What was her name? The Mrs. Hudson character? I can't... um, Who was in that show? Was, like... Every woman in his shows is, like, the person that all the men fawn over. It's like, you've got one woman who is so aphroditic-like that all the guys really like her. And we have that again here. But Susan, again, gives her, like, this really sweet voice that is uh, also a really good singer. uh, Which is just surprising, because I'm not used to Susan's voice doing that. And I really wish that she did a lot more voiceover. I know she's done a lot of things that people have heard of before, but I wouldn't be sad if she was like a um oh uh wendy malick yeah i wish she had like uh, as many roles as wendy malick has in voiceover she deserves it i love her voice so uh yeah so your turn i'm on all right Yay. uh where to start uh Kimberly's really good as Theo. Uh, I confess, I don't. I don't think I've really seen anything Kimberly's been in. I've never seen any of the Father of the Bride movies, uh, and my mother doesn't watch TV. What? Period. Uh, so we don't watch. They don't. We don't watch Hallmark in my house. Uh, and I haven't lived with at my mom's house in a number of years, anyways. But still, um, but she's good. <laughs> she's good here. Uh, she just. I think she just really nails like excited like teenage girl who's very good at something. And is basically being, you know, she's, yeah, you know, she, she's going to design the plane. And Porco's kind of hesitant. And he's like, yeah, no, your design's good. You can design the plane. Like, I have no issues here. Uh, I'm not like, you know, I may be an old pig, but I'm not stupid. Unlike the <laughs> other guy. Uh, she's just really, she's just a lot of fun. She just, I think she just nails the character really well. She just gets, she gets the useful vibrancy down. Which I think, I think, I think Noah was mentioning this. It's like... Uh, like she is, she is very much. She has this youthful optimism that I think very much a lot of the other characters, you know, by design don't have because they're a lot older and they've seen a lot more. And if nothing else, they 
implicitly probably lived through World War One, which will fuck you up real good whether or not you were fighting in it or not. <laughs> yeah, that war fucked up a lot of people. Not a, not a, not a good... There's, there's a reason they all make a lot of heroic movies about World War One, kids. Like, there's a reason for that. And then they made a sequel that was worse. <laughs> Uh, but we make a sequ- lot of movies about that one. Well, the sequel is never as good as the original. <laughs> oh man, we are gonna get our ass kicked by go God. Go to hell, go <laughs> to hell. <laughs> um, I, where was I going? Kimberly's really good as Fio. I think she's she's just a she's just a very she's a very nice performance. She plays off everyone really well. I think, especially Porco and the uh, especially the like the air pirates when they have their little confrontation on Porco's Island and she's just like hey you jump stop that have you no decency have you no honor uh, it's a work of art I know she's, she's just a lot of fun uh, and whatever I was talking about this before we started recording I, this is the second time that I have seen Susan Egan in something looked up to see who it was and realized oh I know her she's Megan Hercules <laughs> Uh, I am always surprised that Susan Egan doesn't have more of a career. Uh, I can, I know she's, I know she got started in theater. I have often assumed that that must be where she spends a lot of her time because I'm always shocked at how tiny her like film acting filmography seems to be. Uh, mm-hmm. cause she's great. I don't think I've ever seen her be bad in anything. Uh, and she's great here cause Gina is the exact kind of like world, like older world worried women. This is this is literally what she is. She's like born to play these kind of roles. <laughs> she's so good at them, uh, and she's just great here. She makes Gina feel like the sort of like stylish early Hollywood actress that she feels like she's supposed to be. Uh, I'm I'm blank. I'm I'm not as good as some of my uh, sort of early Hollywood stars as I should be. So I can't think of a particular name that would really match her. But you know, Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn's too late for that. I like in that oh, in, in uh, that, but like in like the thirties and forties. Uh, uh, the only one I know, but uh, she would have been too young at that time. I was gonna say Judy Garland, but yeah, she wasn't yeah, not, adult. Yeah, not quite, not quite Judy Garland, but kind of like whoever, kind of like whoever that sort of role, but like you know, in like you know the thirties, your thirties and forties during those that kind of time period. Like that's the kind of actress, just very like classy and sophisticated, yeah. and always impeccably dressed whenever she's on screen. Uh, and I think Susan just yeah. kind of bring, brings that quality to her really well. Uh, you know, she, you know, it's like, of course Donald wants her to be the leading lady in his movie and also his wife. Look at her. Wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, also, it's just funny when she, like, you know, she could, like, you know, she goes to the Air Pirates and it's now, boys, you're not going to fight in here, are you? We have strict rules here, no fighting. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> no, she, she, she's absolutely delightful. Uh, and I think she, she just does a fine job of, like, getting a lot of the kind of more subtle, like, pathos of the character across without being too obvious about it. Like, she's she's just excellent all oh, around. Yeah. That's a good point, too, is that, yeah, her sadder moments are also pulled off really well. Mm. Yeah. Alright, so I guess it's my turn, isn't it? Ingrid Bergman. That's who it was. <laughs> Yes, yes, actually, there we go. I had to look up who was in Casablanca, because it's the only movie from that time period I remember. Yeah, no, that that's that's exactly, yeah, that, that. Yeah. 
All right, so let's see who I'm going to start with. Um, I guess we'll start with um, Kimberly Williams, Paisley as Theo. Um, I I really enjoyed her sort of peppy energy. She she is very competent at what she does. You know, aircraft design. Um, she knows what she wants to do. You know travel with Porco and she achieves what she basically the things that she sets out to do um she takes no spunk from no one especially Porco um and I I particularly like after she basically makes the bet with the Sky Pirates uh and then she goes for a swim when she Suddenly realizes, <laughs> oh crap! I could have, <laughs> I should have scammed. I could have padded the bills <laughs> so that Curtis had to pay us a lot more. Like I, I think that was the defining moment of of Theo in the movie, where like she shows herself to be a little more cynical than she lets on. Really? Like it's great. It's not quite cynicism, I guess. It's just that that sort of worldly knowledge that she oh. probably could have gotten away with. Like, she's a little more street smart than she looks. Yeah, I think street smart's a good way to put it. And it's uh, one thing that I missed when I uh, originally saw this movie, and I just noticed upon rewatching it this week, is that she they actually say she's from America. I thought that maybe yeah. the uh, the accent, like her having an American accent was just them not trying to have Italian accents for everyone, but no, that's actually described in the text itself. So her, you know, her street smartness is, feels very American. It's like, you know, she's an American of the twenties. Of course, she's going to have that savviness to her. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And Susan Egan as Gina, a holy crap. (laughs) Like it, it feels like the character was designed for her. And that is... That's rare in an anime dub. Uh, let alone something like Ghibli. Uh, she is pitch perfect. Probably my favorite performance in the entire dub. Um, like, as Megan was saying, the sort of... The line where she sort of emasculates Curtis by, you know, telling him to uh, keep dreaming, little boy. Like, I thought that that whole interaction was, like, absolutely great. Um, But I think my favorite moment of hers is um, at the very end of the movie, after the boxing match, where both Porco and Curtis are basically underwater... And, and basically drowning. Um, she gets out of the plane, goes up to the two of them, and she's just like, yeah, Porco, get up. <laughs> and he does. And wins the boxing match. It, it's it's great. I I love these two characters. Uh, like, the performances are, in the dub are just spectacular. Uh, so moving on to our last character, we have Porco Rosso himself. Uh, he is an incredibly skilled pilot. Uh, 
picked up flying at the age of 17 basically instantly. Uh, his native habitat is the air. And when he was seemingly killed in a dogfight during World War One, uh, he's taken to this magical realm of pilots and comes back a pig. Okay, I literally saw that uh, scene happening, and I just, I just, I texted Roots. Did Porco trip some balls? <laughs> I mean, oxygen deprivation is a thing. I mean, I, I mean, I've obviously is. there's running out and whiting out. We we were the last exile group. <laughs> Yep. It's true. Are we going to do all the shows about flying now? I think so. <laughs> oh man, that means we have to do Lord, Warlords of S- Some Fritos. What? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's it's a show about Valkyries and flying girls from the guy who wrote ReZero. Well, as long as we get to cover Strike Witches, I think it'll be worth it. You joke, but I've actually been contemplating that. <laughs> Another World War like, II. I made a terrible mistake. Vaguely, what if World What if World War II didn't have pants and fucked Evangelion? Um. Are you telling me? Are I, you people listening to this? Tell me that you. Um, Porco Networks is a bounty hunter, and setting everything into motion was his plane getting shot down. Uh, Porco Rosso is played by Academy Award-nominated actor Michael Keaton. Uh, you would know Michael Keaton from such roles as the 1989 Batman. Oh, the movie that changed everything? He was... The movie that literally changed everything. Uh, he was Birdman. He was the other Birdman. (laughs) In in Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, Vulture. Who's the other Birdman? Uh, and he was Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice. All right, I gotta... let's just be careful with that name though, because the third time's a charm. I was gonna say, over under, has Andrew actually seen that movie? I know he's seen the bro- he's seen the Broadway show, but has he actually? Seen I'm gonna movie? go with no. You know what? I'm gonna ask him right now. <laughs> Hold on one second. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say no because Andrew Andrew's Andrew, what movies Andrew has seen always finds Hold on a second. Ways to hey Andrew. Me. Oh shit! Hold on a second. I they're all they're all, all right. In voice, once you're ready, Megan. They're all in all... voice chat. They're all in voice chat in my on my Discord. So hold on, Andrew. Question. <laughs> Andrew, have you ever seen the film for Beetlejuice? Have you ever seen the movie Beetlejuice? Survey says. Okay. Yes, he's seen it. We're good, guys. <laughs> okay. Well. Well, now I'm. Sad. All right, Megan. Why don't you start well, us I'm off? I'm sad now because now we can't be disappointed at him for that. It's kind of a letdown. Oh, I'll find something else. It's very easy with me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we already got him on Death to Smoochie. I think we're good. It's a rocket ship! <laughs> we oh, have fun my here. Turn. Uh, is yes. it my turn? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, within, like, literally five minutes of Porco talking, Mike, yep, that's Michael Keaton. <laughs> um. Okay, I've gotta ask. I gotta look something uh-huh. up. Uh... Um, do, 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 do. Okay, so there's a thing that it's really funny when you talk about how um, Batman the Ride, uh, no, I'm sorry, Batman the Movie uh, basically changed uh, like everything mm-hmm. in the movie industry. Yep. So, um, 
basically the um Batman movie was actually the cause. Did you know that the Batman movie was actually the cause of the invention of uh the very popular model of the inverted roller coaster in the United in the world? I did not, but I, I, I feel like you're going to explain. I haven't seen that episode of Defunct Land. Well, no, they haven't yet. Uh, no. So basically, um... Uh, I don't... Does he... I don't think Defunct Land has a video on it, but I think another person does? Because uh, I watch... Hey, fun fact, did you know that Megan actually watches, uh... Yes, there is. There's there's a video on this by a theme park channel named uh, Expedition Theme Park that actually goes over it. So we can all thank Michael Keaton's Batman for the uh, B&M inverted coaster model that is very popular around the world. Fun fact. So let's talk about uh, which does things like fighter pilots do like uh, zero-G rolls and Immelmans. Um, back to the movie. Uh, I, at first, was a little, like, shaky on Keaton's performance, which is really weird because it's Michael fucking Keaton. One of the, the, okay, look, I'm gonna start a real fight. The best bat, the best live-action Batman. Good, good save, not- because I'm, I was gonna bring in Kevin Conroy, so, but I you was saved say, Kevin Conroy, no, Kevin Conroy is the best Batman, period. Kevin Conroy is the best Batman, period. Michael Keaton's number two. Uh, you know how to pander, Megan. I'm not pandering, it's a fact. <laughs> that but Christian Bale... You can't Christian... pander with facts, Noah. But but Christian Bale that crying, to that I say, my right hand's dizzy, busy with the Frozen fans, my left is, em- my left is at the ready. <laughs> um, um, no, so but by the end of the movie, I was really into his performance, and I don't think I could have ever actually heard another person dub him. And I think he got a lot of Porco's kind of, like, world-weary, get-the-hell-away-from-me-off, and there's not a real sense of warmth through his character until, like, the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the standout part of the movie is when Porco is telling Theo the story, his story, and you learn that Porco blacked out or whited out in the sky and watched his friend ascend into heaven. Uh, or, as I said, tripping balls. Um, so, I think it's really good. I think that, I don't know if it's my favorite performance for a Ghibli movie ever, probably because I'm a little bit more biased to the performances in The Cat Returns, which, let's be real, that movie's really good and no one talks about it. That, that, that dub is weird, though, because it's, you know, in this movie we talk about a couple of, like, well-known actors and then one A-list celebrity. That movie has, like, Five A-list celebrities. With in the celebrities. Ca- it, 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 and Tim Curry. It, it, hey, Tim Curry is like S-tier celebrity, okay? You do not diss the man. Yeah, Tim Curry can do no fucking wrong. He, no. Um, t- because he's in the one place where we can never catch him. Space? Yep. Space! Oh. <laughs> that is still one of my favorite videos we've ever done for the channel is where I do that for one of the guests the anime is, but you all missed the first take where I tried to do it and spit Mountain Dew out of my nose. Um, it was a very painful process. But no, I think this is a really great dub. I think he did a really good job. So uh, on to you, Noah. 
Well, the the hard thing to pick apart with this is like, I, I've never really heard anyone say a bad thing about Michael Keaton's portrayal as Porco Rosso, and it's not just the name recognition. I I do think uh, most people who watch uh, Ghibli dubs uh, in English, um, they they tend to favor this it's just like one of those iconic things at this point so it's kind of hard to think like like is it actually good or is it just name recognition at this point and i'm sorry to say that i haven't actually watched porco rosso in the japanese yet to kind of compare to like what the original archetype was like what was the japanese going for but from what i understand it was uh kind of like a supernatural gruffness to him which uh michael keaton doesn't quite have he he sounds like a human like there's no uh, voice vocal affectation to uh, emphasize the the pig nose that he has, you know, the pig face that he's got. It's just that's his normal speaking voice. But honestly, uh, props to his actual acting abilities. He gets this character. He gets the uh, the time worn, uh, not quite bitter old guy, but uh, definitely uh, seasoned old guy voice that is really easy to screw up because I, I can easily see someone trying to play his character and giving him like a intentionally lower and gruffer voice like this, like almost like uh, uh, Christian Bale's uh, howl from Hell's Moving Castle. But no, that's not what Michael did at all. He, he gave them like this very believable um, man voice that is just very fun to listen to because he's just a very fun actor. The only qualms that I have is he's probably the one who suffers the most from the, the lines not matching up with the lip flaps. And that's really not something I would expect because he he's done voice work before, but he's never done pre-lay voice work after this, I don't think. He's done things like uh, Ken in Toy Story 3 or uh, Chick Hicks in the Cars franchise, but that's all animated around his voice. So this is something entirely different. But I think uh, you guys mentioned before that that doesn't really bother you after a certain point because the acting itself is so good. I gotta agree to that. The acting is just good enough in this that that doesn't distract at all. There is probably no more iconic actor in any other Ghibli dub when I think about it. So yeah, I'm glad we're finally getting to talk about this. And final note, for some reason, they, uh, the adapted title for this uh, is not translated because it's, it's not Porco Rosso in English. It would be Crimson Pig. But maybe they didn't think that uh, people would buy a movie that was called Crimson Pig. So that's why we've got the the title Porco Rosso instead. Well, that is also technically his name. Isn't right. his name Marco? Yeah. It is. But I'm just saying that... But he goes by the name Porco Rosso after the fact. Right, but again, that it translates to... Like, if you read the, the text crawl at the beginning of the movie, the English line quite clearly says Crimson Pig. It doesn't say, this is the story oh, of right. Porco Oh, right. No, Russell. I'm... It's just one of those things. Yeah. yeah, I'm not calling that into doubt. I'm just... It's one of those interesting things where it's like, like when do you keep the, the Japanese title and when do you keep the English one? And they went with Japanese for this one. Well, it's, it's just well, interesting well, it's, because... Well, it's easy because it's not... The title isn't in Japanese. It's in Italian. <laughs> Good point. That is an excellent point. Gold stars. <laughs> I think I'm just saying, like, it, it, yeah, yeah. Uh... I guess they kept Princess Mononoke's name in there too. They they could have translated that. Yeah. Uh... It's my turn. Yes. Yes. Uh. 
There's a line in this movie where if Michael Keaton screws it up, the entire the entire dub is uh, not the entire dub, but his entire performance is wasted. But thankfully, he looked at the line, "I'd rather be a pig than a fascist," and knew exactly how to deliver it. So, good job, Michael. Uh, no, I th I think he's really good in here. Um, I think it helped. I think it helped that um, I think he mentioned this. If you you know if you get the Blu-ray, they have like an old behind-the-scenes featurette from the Disney days. And I think he he's where he's dressed in a tux for some reason. I assume they shot this while he was at a premiere <laughs> or something like that, um, or like some yeah. other kind of press junket. Um, but or he just wears tuxes to interviews. <sighs> Like you I, mean, do. I wouldn't put it past him. I've gotten the impression that Michael Keaton is a much is a, at least a little bit of an odder dude than his own career would suggest, which I appreciate. Rock on, sir. Um, but I think maybe this was maybe this was while they were doing the press release for Herbie Fully Loaded. Jesus Christ! We are just pulling out all of the really <laughs> shitty Disney things. First Jungle to Jungle, now Herbie Fully Loaded. Holy shit! Like. <laughs> What are we gonna do next? Pull out the thirteenth year? Uh, I think he mentions this in that behind-the-scenes interview, but I, I think he was saying something like he was like watching this, like, "Oh, it's a Humphrey Bogart character. I could do this." I like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, also, I had a brief moment of like, "Oh, this, but live action and starring the cast from Casablanca. That'd be a good movie." <laughs> Andrew says, by the way, Andrew says, I appreciate you popped in the middle of a recording just to make sure I had seen Beetlejuice. <laughs> we gotta know, Andrew. You haven't se you uh, haven't seen a depressing number of movies. Sometimes we gotta yeah, know. We, we're concerned for his well-being. His upbringing is very important to us. Well-rounded well film education is very important. Otherwise, you end up like these Snyder fan people. <laughs> and, like, and not the ones who watch other movies, oh. the ones who just watch Zack Snyder movies. It's a bad... Don't do that. But no way, you're not allowed... But Amon, you're not allowed to make fun of them. They've donated to charity. <laughs> whoop de doo yeah. Anyways, uh... Look, I, I, I own fucking Watchmen on Blu-ray. Like, I get to talk shit about Zack Snyder if I want to. I'll argue Listen, that Watchmen's a good... It's legitimately a good movie. It's just, it was the best thing we got out of Zack Snyder. I was gonna say, I think if you've legally sat through Sucker Punch, you're allowed to make fun of Zack Snyder. Oh, I don't think Amon's done that. I enjoyed Snucker Punch. Oh my god! <laughs> it's not, it, look, look, it's, look, as a, oh, as a movie, it oh, is lousy. Oh, as a bunch of ridiculous music videos oh. to unnecessarily slow down covers of pop songs, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, where was I going with this? I don't even remember anymore. Uh, something about Humphrey yeah, Bogart. Yeah, uh, it, it's a Humphrey Bogart character. Um, look at him. He even wears a trench coat half the time. Uh, and I think he, I think he kind of, <laughs> I think he kind of gets that in the sense of like, you know, Porco is very, he's very cynical and world weary, and he kind of hates himself. Uh, I think one of you brought up earlier that like, you know, Por Porco Porco's in love with Gina, but he doesn't think Gina loves him back. I think he knows Gina loves him back. I just don't think he thinks he's good enough for Gina. Gina can do mm. better. And he kind of wishes Gina would do better, so then he could just go off and be a be a you know be a bounty hunter and not worry about it anymore. Well, he's probably also carrying the guilt of you know not being able to save her husband and think her first yeah. husband. It, yeah, so you know if you go around and start dating your best friend's wife, you probably don't really feel good about yourself. No, and and, and he's I mean he's also also obviously got a lot of survivor's guilt from being like the one guy in his platoon who did not bite it in that fight. So you know, right? Also, I think I read somewhere that like. The guy literally died like two days after his wedding. Did you know? That sounds right. 
Wow. Ah, the Yoko Littner what the Yoko Littner marriage. <laughs> Ooh. Whoa. Spicy. Um but yeah, like I, I think he, I think he like I think he just gets what the character is supposed to be, and I feel like he is he just he knows how to bring that out. Um, you know, even if maybe like you know his lip flapping doesn't match as much, I feel like you know no the performance is there, the emotion is there. He understands what this character is doing and where he is coming from, and how mm -hmm. to capture that. Um, I know I know some of the Disney Ghibli movies have kind of a, a little bit of a reputation of hiring like you know you know Holly you know faith you know on screen actors who don't do a lot of voice acting you can tell and I'm, I don't I don't does does Mike Dean do a lot of voice acting because I think he's really strong here oh, for yeah. somebody who does he I oh, mean yeah. I mean like prior yeah. to this I meant uh, not prior to this um, like I said he got a lot of he's done a couple of Disney movies since then mm -hmm. but uh, I'm sorry not really prior to this no yeah no I think because I think it just like you know he, I think I. I'm not surprised he doesn't do this all the time because he's he's Michael Keaton, uh, but like I think he did a really good job here. Like he's good stuff, man. Like you, this this I, I don't think this dub would fall apart if he turned in a bad performance, but it'd be a much much lesser movie for it. And I think he he really he puts it in there when it needs it. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, let me preface this by saying I absolutely fucking love the performance. Like. I don't think Michael Keaton can do very much in the way of wrong. Um, that being said, the first maybe five-ish minutes of the movie, uh, it did seem a little flat. Uh, but he rapidly turns it around. And... Um, like one thing I'm really impressed with is the um, the flashback sequence when he's he's up in like the pilot heaven. Um, he does not use the same voice for Marco that he uses for Porco. That's true. Huh. Um, they both sound very distinct, and I have a lot of respect for that. Would you, would you um, say that? That being said, would you say that that change of voice that he was trying to make Porco sound younger? in that uh, trip and ball sequence? Um, if not younger, I think... Um, yeah, if, if it wasn't to make Marco sound younger than Porco, uh, it was definitely to sort of convey the fact that, you know, Marco is not a pig like Porco. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that transformation may have changed his voice mm. kind of thing. I don't know if I buy that because uh, at the very end of the movie, after the dog fights happened and everybody's kind of run away from the island and it's just Porco and um, Curtis all alone, uh, it, it's implied that Porco's face changed uh, because of something that happened in that whole fight sequence. And you, know, you can see Curtis saying like, hey, your face, hold on a second, let me see. But his voice doesn't change. Like uh, Porco's voice still sounds the same in that scene. So I, well, true. So I, I'm poking holes in the theory there, but maybe maybe the implication was that the transformation did change his voice as well, possibly. I feel I feel I feel like that's more like, of a like young Mark Marco has some level of innocence about him. Porco does not. Right. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, like hey, hey, see, hey, hallucinating all your friends going up to heaven while you stay behind will do stuff to you. 
<laughs> that that will mess you up pretty heavily. And you know, other than belting out what is probably one of the most iconic lines in a Ghibli dub, um, uh, do I want to say the standout moment for Michael Keaton's performance as Porco Rosso is actually right after that first five minutes. Um, during the sequence when he's actually fighting with, uh, the Mama Yudo gang. Um, I, I think that was probably the biggest standout moment of the performance as Porco Rosso. Um, just because he, he gets to be playful, cynical, and just basically a playboy all at various intervals through that fight, and it's just... It's a delight. Michael Keaton is a delight as Porco Rosso. <laughs> uh, well, it's not my favorite performance in the dub. Um, it is definitely really strong by the end. And I absolutely enjoyed it. So with that, I think we're ready to move on to final thoughts. So, Megan, why don't you get us going? Uh, okay, final thoughts. I, this is like one of those Ghibli movies that I've never seen, and I haven't seen like all of them because their library is very vast, but I like this one a lot. I think this is probably the most adult of their films, but it's mm -hmm. adult in the best way possible because there's a lot of, this is something, I just kind of want to make a rant about like the general state of interacting with anime fans, specifically younger male anime fans, <laughs> in that yeah, it's time for once again. Megan hates me. Well, I'm I'm, la um, I'm sorry. I'm laughing because uh, uh, Twitter user uh, Canapa Effect said earlier today. Um, I really like uh, Attack on Titan, but I'm just scared of interacting with the fandom. And then someone responded with that. Hold on, let me fix this. I was really into insert media here, but I'm really scared of the fandom. Look, you, you, you laugh, um, but I was talking to my younger half-sister, uh, like, a couple weeks ago, because she's gotten an anime recently, and she has avoided My Hero Academia because she thinks the fan base is nuts. I, so, like, I don't, tell her that it's a good series. I told, it, it she, is, she's aware that it's good, but her. the fan base is extremely off-putting. So, don't you miss the old days I where mean, you didn't have to interact with fandom? You could just watch shows? Well, what do you, what do you, what do you mean good old days? I, That's I, how I, I spend my time on Twitter. I don't talk to anybody. I'm extremely happy. <laughs> I mean, like, I have nothing against, like, fandom, because there's a lot of really good fandom stuff. What I'm specifically talking about is just, I think, a generational thing between maybe, like, our age, because we're all, like, 30, almost 30 plus at this point. I think Noah and I both turned 30 this year. We, yeah, well, technically it was last year, but, you know, this year is still young, so yeah. Oh, I turned 30 this year. Everybody else is over 30. Is that, um, I don't think that there's a lot of, and, maybe, and this is probably because of the education system being the way it is too, is that a lot of people don't know how to actually approach things critically anymore. And between that and just, I say this as somebody who does anime reviews on the internet, um, just really bad anime reviewers making people think that their their entire personality is attached to this me the media that they like. Mm -hmm. And specifically a thing where, to them, something that is adult is act is should actually be codified as edgy and violent. 
it's it's like I want to watch an adult anime, and I say go watch Stars Aligned, and like, oh, that's too bright and colorful. I want an adult anime like Berserk, or I want an adult anime like uh, Redo of Healer. And it's like you you don't want an actual adult anime. You want something dark and gritty that you don't have to think about. Yeah, Elfin Lead is not an adult cartoon. Adult people. Anim- it's 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 edgy schlock. Y- yeah. Um. I feel bad saying that about Berserk, because Berserk actually does have a lot of things that, if I was to watch it, I'd actually really like that people don't like to talk about, because they're too busy ignoring Guts' character to make him look like some lone wolf badass. Um, Those are the kind of people who would have voted for Light Yagami for president, so we don't have to concern ourselves with them. Give me- I wanna- I wanna watch more anime characters where Light's the main character. Okay, you wanna watch boring, dumb, edgy shit. Um... And which, there, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't think that's very compelling media in my case. Um, this is a very compelling story. This is a compelling story against fascism and nationalism. Mm-hmm. But it is also a story about, like, what it is to, I guess, be a good person. This is a very adult film without having to resort to basically showing it's it's piggies in a blanket. Um, piggies in a blanket? That's a food. Di- that's a, a dick. I couldn't think of another way to say pig dick. Like, no one's watching. No one's watching this movie to see Theo's boobies. You're watching this movie because you want to watch a good movie that is about things. And I think that the cast of the dub pulled it off very well. I think this was a charming dub for a very good movie that I'm surprised I don't hear a lot of older anime fans talk about. But I guess that's because. I'm literally babysitting people most days on the internet, so there's that. Well, I think, so, uh, to give just a tiny bit of credit, anime films can sometimes be a little hard to access just because of, like, you know, streaming capabilities. I know that all the movies are, and Roos will say this later, but they are available online right now, but for the longest time, the only way that you could watch a Ghibli, mil- uh, Ghibli film legally was to purchase a home video version of it. Right. I, I don't know if that's an excuse for uh, not familiarizing yourself with older films like this, but I, I know that that is a barrier for some uh, some anime fans. Yeah, I know. I'm done, by the way. You can do your final thoughts. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'm, I'm really glad that you did mention the, the adult nature of this. Um, and one thing about the, the origins of this story that we didn't quite talk about was uh, not just that it was a story by Miyazaki, but that uh, it was part of... Um, his like sporadic entries into that model graphics magazine that he was basically just giving carte blanche to write whatever he wanted in there. It, it was kind of his, his blog essentially if they had blogs back in the nine in the late eighties. So I, I kind of appreciate the fact that something that was really indulgent and really pas- uh, passionately personal to uh, Miyazaki himself also ended up being a really compelling story on its own. And uh, I do think that the political elements of it are kind of scaled down a little bit to the point that you could watch this and not quite pick up on the fascism elements of it. Like, if you don't understand the origins of the Yugoslavia war that uh, kind of originated the genesis of that part of the story, it doesn't really matter because it's not something you have to pick up on to understand the story. But if you do understand it, it's like a little extra Easter egg for you to enjoy. And luckily, the dub crew knew how to integrate that really well. They, they knew that they weren't making, uh, let's see, what was coming out? Okay, this was dubbed in the early 2000s, so 
let's see, they knew they weren't making, uh, I'm trying to think, like, what was the cartoon that's coming around time? They weren't making Kim Possible, you know, they weren't making lighthearted kids fair just for a younger audience, they were making, uh, all ages accessible material that deserved to be treated with respect and reverence, and for that they did a really good job. This is easily one of the... I'm going to say one of the least flawed Ghibli dubs. I'm not going to say it's the best one, but it is definitely the least flawed. There is very little here that I can look at and say what could be improved upon it. And for that, I would highly recommend that you uh, check this movie out if you haven't yet, because it definitely deserves to be watched. Yes. Uh, this movie's great. Uh, do you... <laughs> Do you do you do you want a movie? Do you want a movie that uh, has high flying uh, aerial action and lots of pretty language shots of the Mediterranean? And uh, yes, please. Do we have a movie for you? Uh, yeah, no. This this movie is like it's just it's this movie's a whole delight from top to bottom. I think it's really it's a like it's a good movie. Period. Like I think this is easily like aside from being my favorite, I also think this is one of Miyazaki's strongest movies. Period. Like. Uh, like, he, 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 look, they had that bit in the trailer about, you know, men who don't like war but love war games. Like, I thought, that's Miyazaki. That's literally, <laughs> that's, li that half of, that, like, some of his movies are literally about the conflict of the thing that he thinks planes and, like, military equipment are cool, but thinks the reason they exist is stupid. <laughs> like, I, 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 if I found, like, I, I have a, I also have a suspicion that, like, when someone, you ask somebody, you know, if you ask somebody Miyazaki knows, it's like, oh, what Miyazaki character is most like Miyazaki? It's like, it's Porco. Like, oh, that's, that's, definitely. That's just, that's just oh, Hayo. Yeah. Except he's a pagan Italian. That's all. Well, he, well, he had a, ten Hayo had a tendency actually to uh, cartoonify himself as a pig in his manga and his like letters to the readers and editor's notes. So th this feels very self-insert in that regard. <laughs> It was your self-insert, dude. He gets the shit beat out of him by an American. That's what happens. I don't know if that part was in the manga, so maybe yeah, that no, was... No, uh... that, is, that part... No, that, I've read the manga, because it's like 15 pages. It's really short. Uh, and it's, bas oh. it's basically just uh, the kidnapping with the with the Miyamoto gang, except it's a, like one teenage girl instead of like a gaggle of uh, middle schoolers. Um, the right. bit where he like uh, gets his plane shot down and goes to the Piccolo base to get it rebuilt, and then the fight on oh, the okay. island. Like that's literally the whole manga. You can read it in about ten minutes. Uh, I will, I'll be sure to do that. <laughs> yeah, you poke around. Like, apparently, ran in like any American magazine briefly in uh, like the mid '90s. Rachel Thorne did the translation. You can find scans of it online if you look around. It's not very hard to get. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> anyways, but like this. I think this is a really good movie. I think you can tell that, like, this meant a lot to the people making it, and I think this dub is really well put together. I think they recognize they were working on something really, like, special and really well-crafted, and I think they made a very concentrated effort to give it a dub that would pair with that. Um, like, it's... It, like, I loved it the first time I saw it, and I still like it now. It's just a swell... It's just great. I love it. But the big question of the night, what does the birthday boy think? Alright, um, obviously, I preface this at the beginning of the episode, um, this is one of my top five films of all time. Um, it is sort of the send-up of all the sort of war, but not necessarily soldiers fighting movies of the 40s, sort of Casablanca-esque, um... 
like backdrop of war kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, but without the propaganda, the dub is absolutely spectacular. Right, uh, the dub is absolutely spectacular. Um, it is impeccable at just about every level. Even though some of the performances can occasionally fall a little flat, the overall product is absolutely worth your time. Um, this is a film I could not recommend hard enough. Um, and you know, even those who would sort of say, oh, I want a a more mature anime as sort of backhand for... I want ultra-violent stuff that I don't have to think about the consequences of. Um, I think this would be a really good film to just show broadly to those people and maybe, like, your dad who likes war movies or... Or John Wick. You know, this is probably one of the most accessible anime films to people who don't watch anime. And it's probably... I I would say it would probably also be a good gateway into broader anime for those people who are like, you know, the berserk only kind of people, the you know, the shield hero redo of healer kind of people who like want those edgy controversial things. This would probably be something I would I would recommend to them as sort of a a broader look into the world of anime. Uh, but if you want to check out Porco Rosso, uh, it is available via Blu-ray, via G-Kids. Um, and thanks to a deal G-Kids was able to strike with Warner Media, it is available for streaming on HBO Max in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 15 bucks a month. Um, but that being said, if you do not live in the United States and would like to check out Porco Rosso streaming, it is available via Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now, now, Roots, you have sorry, Roots. You have the the Blu-ray copy of this uh, that G Kids put out recently, don't you? Yes, I do. So, my question is, um, do they highlight uh, the voice cast on the cover of that? Um, I believe they do. I have my light you out. Know, right I, have, now, I have I have my I copy can... here, and they in fact do. They have uh, Michael Keaton, Carrie Ewells, Kimberly William Paisley, Susan Egan, David Ogden Steers, and Brad Garrett. Okay, like right around, right right along the top, right above the logo. They did the same thing for Whisper of the Heart and I think a couple of other ones. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah they I think, did it for Prince Mononoke too. Yeah, I think most of the ones that have dubs, like the, the, the disco tech ones, are laid out like this with like kind of the main voice cast listed on the cover. Right. And they they did mm. not do that for the um, the original um, uh, Disney release, which is the version that I have. And I haven't, haven't upgraded to Blu-ray because I just haven't felt compelled to do it yet. But I'm, I'm glad that they uh, went the extra mile and gave the voice cast some actual recognition on the cover. Right. And I mean, speaking of dubs, we are the Dub Talk Podcast. Um, we are available via YouTube. We also have a, a Podbean feed that is directed through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, we have a Twitter page, twitter.com slash dubtalkpodcast, where we mainly announce upcoming episodes and sometimes talk about fun stuff. Um, we also, the contributors to this episode, have our own Twitter accounts that we will promote. Uh, so Megan, why don't you start us off? 
You can follow me at Twitter at Queenier Two Way Shitpost and post pictures of my animals. And thank you. Yay! Also, very adorable animals. Yeah. Yes, including the new baby Pandoria. Yay! She is baby. Jenny's been begging me to get a puppy for like weeks and weeks now, and it's make, and you're making it really hard for me to say no, Megan. I didn't. She's a puppy, but she's like a year old. Yeah, but even then, it's we don't have any dogs in our house, and Jen wants one. I mean, at least I didn't post the picture of when I saw the uh, the the uh, pack and play full of golden retrievers. I think she may draw the line at a, that many. I, th- I think she'd be happy with just there- one. It was full of golden retriever puppies, and they kissed. They gave me kisses. It was the best day. Aww. Damn it. Uh, Noah, where might we find you? You can find me at the Humane Society getting a dog now because Megan really makes me want to get one. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad because actually the Humane Society is like 10 minutes drive from my house, so it would be really, really easy to go there. But I, when I'm not doing that, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue. Uh, I like to talk about everything about the global world of animation and post pictures of my children. Uh, I recently threw them in the giant snowbank that we had out here, and when I did that, Oliver's hands got really, really red. So make make a note, people. Have really, really heavy gloves on when you go out into the cold Michigan winters. Uh, you can find me at US on Twitter. Duel has two U's in it. I talk about uh, movies and comic books and music and stuff like that. Uh, and I have a song for you if you'd like one. Is it a Steely Dan sure. song? Oh, absolutely. Well, first I want to talk about... So the, the song that Susan Egan sings in this, that's a real song. That that, that wasn't written for the movie. Mm-hmm. That's called Le, Les Temps de Se, uh, Series. Yep. Or, yes. Uh, that, that's a very old song. That's from 1866. It's extremely popular in France. It has had a wild existence. To give you an idea, the commun- a communist party that was founded in... Uh, let's see. The Czech Republic actually has two cherries in their logo because of this song. Wow. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like, it was it was adapted by, like, the Paris Commune, which was a thing that existed in, like, late 1800s. I think Napoleon III's reign, something like that. Uh, it was, like, became a revolutionary song. Uh, it's stupid famous. Uh, I would recommend a version, but as far as I can tell, I think, like, every speaker who can sing in French has probably recorded this at some point or another. Um, Yves Montand appears to have done a version that was fairly popular, but, like, just punch it into YouTube. I'm sure you can find a dozen of them. <laughs> uh, but onto my real, onto my real one. You know, it's really funny that y'all brought up Steely Dan completely unprompted by me. Were you really going to do a fucking <laughs> oh, Steely no. Dan song? Don't be ridiculous. I'm not doing a Steely Dan song. I'm doing a song by Donald Fagan, who's one of the Steely Dan guys on his first solo album. <laughs> completely different. It's not even remotely different. So, so... It's look, Steely Dan a, all the way is, down. Are there wind chimes look, in I, it? Look, what Steely Dan songs have you been listening to? That's a George Carlin sketch. You know, he, he made a he made a joke about how like I like real men, not men who think that Steely Dan is real music and think wind chimes is a musical instrument. George, I love you, but you know nothing about the people who listen to Steely Dan. <laughs> uh, this this is a this is a movie that is clearly about uh, uh it is about Miyazaki's love of flight it is clearly part of his you know clearly you know you can see in a lot of his movies that are clearly like parts of europe he finds very beautiful but it also is in contrast to the fact that this is taking place in like the mediterranean in 1920s fascism is on the rise especially in italy there's sort of this this conflicted feeling of like uh joy but you know cynicism 
so my song to you is IGY by Donald Fagan, uh, which is both a peon to the glorious shining future that the 50s promised him in his childhood and how none of that shit ever happened. <laughs> oh, you want to go from Paris you want to go from Paris to New York in 90 minutes on an underground train? Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck your idealism. None of that's happening. Yes, the post-war... Because it's, it's 1982 and Ronald Reagan is president. And for some reason we don't have flying cars and we don't live in houses made of plastic. Well, well we do, but not the cool ones that they promised us. No, you no, let... those, those those nice Monticetti ones they have at Disneyland? That's not happening. <laughs> You'd let a man, a man suck your dick for a flying car? I thought I knew you, man. <laughs> so go listen to that. Oh, that is a... That is a deep cut, and I will be so surprised if anybody knows what that's that's from. Uh, anyway, um, I'm Patrick, a.k.a. Roots of Justice. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice. Mainly retweet cute animal pics. Talk general fandom. Good time. You should come see me. You're also, you're also um, making it hard for me not to get a dog, because your avatar is a picture of a puppy. Not anymore. Oh, yeah, here on the... Yeah, Looking right at me with his big puppy eyes, like, adopt me. Alright, so if you want to, like, support the, the podcast, you can, you know, like and subscribe in the uh, in the format of your choice. Um, you can also give us a direct contribution via Ko-fi and Patreon. And every episode we like to shout out our patrons. Uh, so at the $5 tier, we have Megan's Mom and Dad. Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, Victor Maibaroda, and Nico Robin, but with the owie hands. Um, at the $10 tier, we have Carly Lutzikow, Crimson Echidna, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Marissa Lenti, and Otaku Anthony. Uh, so, patrons, thank you so, so much. We, we could not do the kinds of things we are doing with the podcast now without your financial contribution. Thank you guys so much. You guys are amazing. I can't believe you sat through this. Happy birthday, my love. Um, so I believe the episode is basically done now. Um, we have basically talked about Porco Rosso for twice as long as the movie actually is. Yeah, oh, um, this will obviously you. be edited down in post, but <laughs> We had so many tangents about Steely Dan. <laughs> as, as we as we required, you know, there's there's uh, requirements in there. Anyway, that I, honey, I love you. Happy birthday! I hope you enjoyed all the gifts I got you. Besides being on this episode, I did. Thank you. I got him a fo- the fog T-shirt. And I'd like to finish this episode off with uh, because we we're talking about death to fascism. Rest in peace, Christopher Plummer, who we lost just yesterday, who, of course, gave us that iconic ripping the Nazi flag symbol. You are a true legend, man. Absolutely. Bless him. Um, And from us at the Dub Talk Podcast to you, we would like to wish you a good evening, morning, however, whatever time you're listening this at... um, yeah. Don't get your face turned into a pig, people. Have a pleasant evening, and otaku on there, Dabba. Aloha. Good night, nerds. Uh, rock on, Boston. Rock on, Chicago. And remember, kids, it's always better to be a pig than a fascist. And click.
Yeah, you need to watch Avon, it. Avon, we, like, you know how we, like, whenever we do an episode, like, we find out, like, people haven't seen movies, like, Andrew's never you seen can, Death you, this You can just movie. say Andrew. It's you. It's 90% of the time it's Andrew has not seen something because he's five. Okay, okay. I, okay. I, yeah, like, okay, what Noah, if, did you? Lilac not Noah, seeing did... Fiddler on the Roof legitimately made me sad. <laughs> I've never seen Fiddler on the Roof. It's on Netflix. Go watch it. It's a tradition. Tradition. Okay, look. You know what else is a tradition? It's a rocket ship, and Andrew's never seen that movie either. Again, he's five. Oh, that I didn't know. That's interesting. Yeah, he, and, 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 and let us not forget his crowning cinematic achievement, the bad Russian guy in the Tim Allen comedy Jungle to Jungle. Oh fuck! That was that him. Was that guy. He always does like oh, vaguely Euro- Eastern European. Oh god! Princes. Jungle to Jungle was a fucking movie. <laughs> David Ogden-Steers gets hired to do a lot more funny accents than I realized. And it's not even his. It's not his natural. Jungle to Jungle but... is the inferior '90s movie about going to the jungle. George of the Jungle supremacy, baby. <laughs> oh fuck yeah! Well, Megan, Megan, old Ben falls in poop. <laughs> Now we throw our heads back and laugh. Ready? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. I'm sorry, just <laughs> Jungle Two Jungle was a thing, wasn't it? It's just See that's why I got so, that's why I got so excited about talking about David Ogden Sears, because we've never gotten to talk him on before, and I'm just a really big fan of all of his work. And then there's Megan who's like, Who the fuck is David Ogden Sears? <laughs> oh that guy! Hi. Oh, uh, oh, uh, Jim Belushi from According to Jim was in another Disney dub. He was the dad in uh, My Neighbors the Yamadas. So, yeah, they pulled everyone from that show. Oh, yeah, that was a thing on Twitter, like, a month yep. ago or something, where he was like, <laughs> Do you I have don't know a lot about it. Teach me about anime. And then we were all you... like, oh, you poor bastard. No, to you, here's my favorite one. To you, the wild dreamer who told him to watch free Iwatobi Swimp Club, shine on, you crazy diamond. <laughs> Was there any show that wasn't recommended? <laughs> there was like 800 comments. No. No, but just the fact that somebody was like, you should watch free. 